And welcome back to Comics Exchange, your friendly neighborhood podcast. As always, I'm Mike D. To my left, we have the Zero Sugar, Ryan Shipley. I'll give you some sugar. (laughs) Lots of sugar coming your way. (laughs) Of course, we have the owner of Knoxville's longest-running comic shop, Mr. Bill Langford. Glad to be back. Thanks for inviting me. (laughs) <laughs> we're invited you to your show. It would be weird if you t- if you turned down the invitation. I keep getting the email every week. It's if like, just Bill's over in the corner glowering at us. <laughs> they keep showing up, but I keep getting on the podcast. Oh, but it's not just the three of us. We have a special guest today, McKay. Thank hey. you. I don't know what you're talking about. I've been here the whole time. <laughs> yeah, he's got a place in the back. Oh, yeah. well, I wondered what I've those noises were. Right you know, I was honestly thinking today before we came in, uh, what numbered episode this is, because like when we were in the 16, 17, I knew where we were. Mm. But you know how you get to that age where you kind of aren't sure how old you are? Right. Like, you know, within like a year or two. That's where yeah. I feel like I am right now with the podcast. I think it's our 23rd or 24th episode. You'd be terrible at the Guess Your Age contest. I would be. You're like 80. I <laughs> see. <laughs> I do it. No, no I think, I think you, you may be right. I think it's yeah. like two dozen, right? Maybe it's just 20. I think it's 23, 23. 24. 24, okay. Ah. Um, but it is that you are right, too. Like, as you get older, I have no idea how old people are anymore. Like, people yeah. in their 20s now look to like to me like they're in their teens. Yes. It's really hard to tell sometimes. Mm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in either direction. I yeah. remember uh, when I was younger at Opryland, I worked um, I worked a popcorn lemonade cart, but my buddy worked in the, the game section, and he would work this, the thing where it was the guess your weight, guess your age game. I would not want to do that. No. <laughs> because uh, You would offend so many people. Yes, and that was his problem was that he uh, he couldn't – he couldn't really be efficient at the game and try and actually guess that correct age and weight because yeah. he, he didn't want to hear it. I mean, yeah. you're making three thirty-five an hour. I was minimum wage back in 1989. Yeah. So uh, at three thirty-five an hour, he didn't want to have to hear it from the lady if he said she weighed, you know, two hundred and forty pounds. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, If he yeah. told the guy that he yeah. was eighty-two years old, and the guy's like, "What do you mean? I'm fifty-seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a hard fifty-seven. <laughs> yes. So I think later he got moved over to the uh, like the. Um, where you have to knock over the milk jugs. When you were working at Dollywood, what was the the job you wanted to do? Like, what's well, the best job that everybody wanted to do? So there? I was at Opryland. Opryland, which sorry, was which yeah. is kind of like Nashville's version of Dollywood. But what's the job that everybody wanted to do when you were a team? So you wanted to work the rides, uh, okay? Because you know you were in charge of working a roller coaster, and it's weird because Dollywood. When I go to Dollywood, it's all elderly people working the rides. And I guess it's retirees from Sevier County. It's kind of like uh, Walmart uh, greeters. Like Walmart greeters. And yeah. I feel much more comfortable with the elderly working my ride than I do <laughs> when I was a teenager. And it was it was my buddy Nick and, and Rob, and they were working yeah. the ride. Well, let's be honest, probably and high. More than likely. I mean, and uh, so that was, that was kind of the ride you wanted, or the uh, job you wanted. The job yeah. you did not want, however, that you absolutely tried to uh, avoid at all costs, was the costume characters. So Oh yeah. yeah. Correct. So yeah, yeah, Opera yeah. Land, we had like you had one guy dressed like a banjo, one dude was like a fiddle, one guy was like a music note. And they they cast these jobs based on size because they weren't gonna buy a new costume. The costume was already made. Yeah. You yeah, had yeah. to fit the costume. And so like if you were a certain size that was your job. Like, you were the fiddle. You were the banjo. Can you imagine how ranked those costumes were? Oh, no. So, my buddy, he got the job, and he was the, uh, he was like a mandolin. And I remember seeing him in, I remember seeing him in the employee. Can you imagine that on your resume? Yes. <laughs> was, was, I played the mandolin. Oh, you actually played the mandolin? No, I was the mandolin. He was at the mandolin outside the Royer Cuff Theater. And I remember going to the employee cafeteria one time, 
and uh, the poor guy he had taken he had taken the headpiece off and his hair was just matted down on his head oh. and he had like four or five cups of water in front of him and uh, I was like Joshua how's it going he said I'm on my 40 minutes off he goes we each get 20 minutes on and then 40 minutes off because you're in that suit you lose so much water weight yeah. that basically there's three people yeah. and they take turns uh, being like the uh, the mandolin. Yeah. And um, so yeah, so that was the job you did not want. No. But uh, but I had a I was working a popcorn lemonade cart um, kind of close to the Lee Greenwood Theater, and after about the fiftieth or sixtieth time I heard "Proud to Be an American," I was done with that song, <laughs> dude. Like over and over again. I got no Lee Greenwood has other songs. Does he? But I, I don't, I'm, I'm being nice to Lee Greenwood. Yeah. But uh, but for some reason, man, that was the one they constantly played there. Well, yeah, that's, and I wonder if Lee Greenwood, if he ever performed at his theater, if he ever came out and said, you know what, I'm starting off with Proud to be American. Mm-hmm. Like, instead of saving it to the end, he was just like, this is the first one. I <laughs> imagine it's like in Blues Brothers when they go to the country western bar, yeah. and they just, the only song they know is Rawhide, so they just play it like 40 <laughs> times in a row. <laughs> uh, now, there are some songs that you can listen to over and over, and eventually it will come back around to like you like it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did not think that would be one of those. No, no, no. American. Yeah, I know. I'll always imagine, and this is this is going to sound weird, but I always imagine whenever something bad happens to America, that Lee Greenwood gets real happy. <laughs> because, <laughs> because then his song, right? Because his song goes into heavy rotation. That's like fine. if we yeah. get attacked or something, yeah. the royalty checks start coming in. For, oh, I bet. For Lee, yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah. So I, yeah, I, just, I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think so. I think you're right. <laughs> you think Greenwood is like? Uh, Oh, I just heard there's an attack, Kenny. We're getting a new boat. <laughs> He's got a financial incentive and kind of, but uh, well, now I know the song we're going to end this with. So. <laughs> he says a little prayer, and then he's like, "Cha-ching!" <laughs> so yeah, so it's been a few weeks. We actually recorded our last episode the week before Fanboy. Mm. So I guess we'll we'll start with some new stuff. I think the thing that was most interesting to me that's happened in a couple of weeks was the Miss Marvel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know we were kind of critical in here about Amazing Spider-Man 26. And by the way, Weird Bill, choice. that's mm-hmm. one thing I do admire is that on the podcast here, we don't have to sugarcoat things. We can say, we try to stay positive, yeah. but mm-hmm. we can say if we don't like something, like you didn't come to us and go, hey, Mike, uh, Ryan, I, I took some of the kids' college fund out to get some more of those Amazing 26s. We need to push those. Tell them it's amazing. Yes. No. Um, but the Fallen, uh, Fallen for a Friend was actually really good. Uh, did you read it, McKay? I haven't got to read Fallen uh, Friend yet. But okay. I did read, obviously, 26. Yeah. Has anybody here read Fallen Friend? No, but I did read um, a couple synopses, and they both uh, said that it was actually a fairly emotional story. So Yeah, they had uh, Mark Way do uh, do a story about the champions, mm-hmm. and then the uh, creator of uh, Miss Marvel did a story, too, and then they had a third, oh, cool. third story. I think it was written by the guy who just got off of Miles Morales. Ah. But, of course, there was something frustrating about it. So it's a four ninety nine book, right? Mm-hmm. Are you talking about uh, Fallen Friend? Or? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was a, a movie that came out about six or seven years ago. It was, it was a movie about an exorcism, right? Mm-hmm. And it's uh, the very end. There's a car crash. The screen goes black, and then it comes up going, "Hey, go to this website to learn more." What? You don't get an ending. You to get the, a website. So the that, ending of the movie is yeah. directing you to the website. Yes. Yes. Um, Boo! I think I want my money. So back. Yeah, the yeah. last page of Miss Marvel. Yeah. Instead of getting the panel where it hints to what Cyclops is going to do, mm-hmm. 
there's a QR code. Oh, no, come on. There is the not. last page is a QR code. Oh my god. To go to and I, I so guess So did you did you well, scan the QR code? No, somebody online thankfully had already gone ahead and uh, okay. put the put the page up. Nice. Um what, were they just like, you know what? What can we do? What little icing can we put on this cake just to piss people off a little bit more? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. know. Yeah, but it's really well written. But two days after the Fallen Friend issue came out, mm. uh, Marvel did announce that we are getting a new uh, Miss Marvel book. Yes, and she is a mutant, as we all unanimously uh, assumed that she would be. Yeah, that was kind of a, the obvious solution to the problem, wasn't it? If you're going to bring her back relatively soon, mm-hmm. and especially in time for the TV show. Yeah, and I think the book is going to be called for the movie Miss Marvel: The New Mutant. And what I think is really interesting about it is the actress that plays Miss Marvel on the Marvel shows and movies mm-hmm. is co-writing the book. That's really cool. She has a big passion for the character, that I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen her do, uh, she did an AMA on Reddit back when um, her show started last year, and her comic knowledge is great. Yeah. No, it's, it's kind of cool. And I tell you, if I, um, if I got to be famous, like a famous actor or something, I would love to write a comic book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like that would be kind of like one of the side benefits of becoming famous to me, is that I would go to Marvel and be like, you know, if I was somebody like The Weeknd or somebody, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You don't want to be The Weeknd right now. <laughs> yeah, definitely no. leverage that as much as you possibly <laughs> Oh, yeah, But yeah. of course, yeah. yeah. How did the book sell over at Nirvana? 26 and, and, and Fallen, uh, Fallen Friend. Friend, yeah. Yeah, Spider-Man's probably, Spider-Man and Batman probably by far our two strongest mm. books yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and series of books. Yeah. Just all of that goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think my, my take on that right quick is that I think the biggest problem was the leak. I think yeah, that, right. I think the way that the, there's nothing wrong with the story. Yeah. I mean, you can argue that there's a little too much synergy there with what they're trying to go to later on. But, yeah. But besides, I mean, that's always been in comics. So, yeah. like, you know, they know what the plan is, you know, sometimes two and three years of framework right. out mm-hmm. for some time. So, yeah. that's not a new thing. But me being I'm a little bit of a homer because I am my favorite book is Amazing Spider-Man okay I yes. mean so I'm, I'm not gonna be super critical sometimes yeah 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 but I thought if that hadn't been spoiled I think that would have been an awesome raid because people were expecting it to be Mary Jane if you'd have gotten yeah. that Mary yeah. Jane kill yeah scene there mm-hmm. smart yeah. spoilers yeah uh, <laughs> You know, it, that would have been incredibly cool right. if I didn't it's yeah. a shame that some some chucklehead had a yeah. To, to spoil that, because that would have been a great read. Yeah, because when the leak happened before Marvel said, oh yeah, this is real, right. I, I'd posted on the, on the Comic Exchange socials that, hey, you know, the spoiler's out there right now, be very careful, people are posting pictures from it. And then Marvel themselves, like two hours later on all their socials, said, hey, here's the spoiler. I guess they were just trying to get ahead of it, maybe? Trying to yeah. get in front of it yeah. and own it, so, I guess. with this book, because um, with Miss Marvel uh, now coming out in August, right? And I know usually... You have to order the books like two months in advance, right? There's like the cutoff is like you're, 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 you have a bit of a cutoff, but there's like you're about two months in advance. Generally, right? you order them two months in advance. I didn't realize that was coming out in August. Yeah. yeah. Whoa. So what? Because I know originally there was another huh. book that was coming called Ascend or something like that that was coming out in August that I guess now is this book. Did they open the orders for you like last Friday when they first announced this? Or how is this working for you guys, like as far as ordering for people? So, 
what they'll do is uh, sometimes they'll announce they'll do Marvel have they won't even tell you the title it'll be like a secret project book mm-hmm. or something you have to order it blind sometimes they don't even tell you the writer or the artist wow um, but what they will do is they'll allow you to adjust your orders up until I think it's about three weeks before the book comes out oh, okay that's cool. so if there is a change and then also they're pretty good so if if you bu- if you order a book like let's say you order a Miss Marvel book and the yeah. writer is supposed to be Kelly Sudaconic and they change the writer, um, they have to allow you to return the books. Oh, really? So if they make, yeah, huh. so if it's a card subject to change thing where like yeah. Ric Flair is supposed to be at the Greensboro Coliseum and he doesn't show up, <laughs> yeah. woo! Yes. Yeah. Uh, you can return those books. So um, that happened like on Hulk and Thor when um, when the writer had to leave recently? Are you talking about when uh, Otley took over for... Yeah, when Otley took over for Donny Cates. Yeah, when Donny yeah. Cates left uh, Hulk and Thor, was that kind of the same situation where you had the chance to... I'm not sure because I think didn't didn't Ron say that Marvel came to him? I think so, but I was just wondering. With yeah. that. we'll look at it. This oh, but yeah, yeah, okay. I, I, yeah. You're right. I would yeah. I, I would have had the opportunity to, but I, but I think it was I think it was solicited. Ask Ron Otley is what I'm saying. I okay. think they yeah. Oh, okay, that makes from sense. the get go. It was it was advertised as Otley was going to be doing the last couple issues of of Hulk. And I I'd say like for people out there that are going to get onto Miss Marvel, definitely look into some of those variant covers because. They've uh, they reviewed a few, uh, revealed a few of them, mm-hmm. and they're doing like uh, takes on like famous uh, X Men covers. Yeah, which is kind of cool. Um, some of the covers they've homaged uh, to death. Uh, yeah, that's that is. We true. were we <laughs> yeah. were talking about that earlier with some of the um, some of the most CGC books. I was talking with McKay about that, but some of those covers. I mean, uh, like if I never see a Spider Man three hundred homage, and I love I love that cover. That's yeah, what yeah, I mean. yeah. But yeah. it's just—it's like when you hear a song and you you love a song, but after you've heard Hotel California for a million times or Stairway to Heaven for a, yeah. a million times, so it's it's kind of like that with some of the covers. So I I like it when they do homage covers, mm-hmm. but let's mix it up a little bit. You know, let's do let's do some different. It doesn't always have to be the exact same. Doesn't have to be A of fifteen. Doesn't have to be Spider Man three hundred. Yeah, it doesn't go to the Hulk three forty. Doesn't have to be Hulk three forty. Yeah. yeah. On that topic, briefly, I've had quite a bit of thought about how many. This being the variant age, you know, mm-hmm. the yeah. way it is that so many really cool variants are, are uh, ratio variants. Yep. Like, how's that going to affect there being those kind of books in the future? You know what I mean? Like, you know, back then, you know, iconic covers like 300 or, or three, right. Hulk 340. Right. You know, those were A covers. That's all yep. there were. There weren't any variants. Yeah. To really, back then. Yeah, but now some of the cooler ca- covers or things that most people can't afford is right. that going to keep us from having books from this era that are going to be homages? They kind of oh, get gatekept. They get kept, kept, kept under like the one in twenty fives or something like that. So yeah, no, I think you're right. Yeah, a lot of times they'll now sometimes they're pretty good. So for instance, if you remember the um, was it Spider Man fifty five, the Pat Gleason cover? Yeah, mm, really? you know, so they easily could have made that cover uh, a, a variant or, or hard to get incentive True. because it's such a cool cover, and immediately as soon as you saw it, you're like, oh, this cover is. is phenomenal. But that seems to be like the exception to the rule. But they nowadays. did make that one easy to get cover, and that will go down as an iconic Spider Man cover. But yeah, you're absolutely right. The problem is, is, is going forward is that some of these covers. The cool covers, like the the Mark Brooks, the Adam Hughes, those covers, they'll keep for us incentives. Yeah, like the Night Terrors. Like the coolest ones on the mm-hmm. Night Terrors right now are those red, black, and white covers. But they're kind of well, more rare variants, aren't they? They're well, not no, cover I A's. I think they're, they're, they're open order. They're Dustin the Wind covers. Okay. Um, you can order however many you want on those. I keep thinking you're saying Dustin the Wind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah. you're very poetic. That's what I thought he said. <laughs> 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 
I'm so, like, that's a bird I haven't heard of. I yeah, need to look but, that up. But I think it's 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 curious. It's kind of like to me like uh, with nostalgia because we have so many different things to get our attention now manga anime like uh youtube channels tv shows all that it's not like back when we were all younger where we had all mm. the same thing was that's all we basically had to to watch and listen to and all that right. but today there's so many different things so i'm kind of curious like see what nostalgia is going to look like in two decades yeah i mean i imagine it'll be a lot more fractured like you know the uh so, for instance, I don't know if there will be anything that has a fan base as big as, like, let's say, Andy Griffith or Star Wars or MASH. Ghostbusters, even. Or Ghostbusters, even. Um, How old are you? <laughs> <laughs> have you I'm never not. heard of cable television? You don't have what? cable TV? Um, but, uh, but, no, yeah, it, it's going to yeah. be it, it'll be a lot more difficult. and Because um, you're right, back then, we all kind of spoke the same language. Like, if you said Knight Rider, everybody yeah. kind of knew what you were talking about because... Yep. It was NBC Friday nights, and uh, there was only three channels. We had a ver- variation of this conversation in the shop the other day mm-hmm. about it, uh, but what we were talking about was how critical everybody is of of things. It's like it's a version of what you're saying. Right. What we mm-hmm. talked about was that, uh, for example, if something was acclaimed, everybody liked it. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, like if like, oh, I love this, and like everybody you know loved it, mm-hmm. and like that's one reason it's nostalgic now because there's this collective love of it. Yep. But now there's nothing that way. There's, there's a lot of people very, that just there's very hate. few things. There's always because everybody has a broadcastable opinion now, right. which is good and bad yeah. in certain forms. There's not a consensus of locking or not locking something right. any longer. Bill has so, mentioned this before as well that people are now broken down into like little tribes almost. You yeah, know, you've got people point. that are. The, the tribes are smaller because there's so many different ones that people are into as opposed to, like you were saying, like tentpole movies or things that we all have that memory of loving. So I yeah. definitely agree with that. There's, there's going to be some people, though, that are always going to be detractors. Yeah. 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 People that are contrarians. Contrarian. That's exactly yeah. what I, the word I was looking for. Yeah. I think that's one reason we try to keep the show positive. We do. Like so the, much I mean, obviously, around. amazing. We complained about it. For sure. Uh, but uh, we always keep make sure, too, to always say, if you like it, if it's your thing, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. that's how it is. Too many people try to gatekeep. Like, if you don't, if you're not down with my opinion, then you're wrong. You're an idiot. Yeah. yeah. You're stupid. Yeah. yeah. But I tell people that not not being me, not yeah, yeah, claiming yeah. in that group because yeah. I'm totally not a gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. I'm the farthest thing from it. Oh yeah, no. Our general generation. Yeah. The the mid 40s to mid 50s. I'm in we're, my 20s. We're <laughs> we're the worst. We are because yeah. we don't like. We don't want you to take our stuff from us. Yeah. And we don't like you to have your stuff either. Yeah. We are collectively, mm-hmm. not me personally, but our generation, as a generation is we're like that. capital letter awful. Yeah. Which oh, is why I, I try my best not to push what I think if my think my thinking is the right way and everybody else's is wrong. Except on Coke Zero. Coke Zero is the best. <laughs> um, I just want everybody to, yeah. to experience how we love the hobby there. Mm. Yes. Right, right. Yeah. You know, and that's going to take different forms. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's going to, you know, that's going to be, uh, that's going to be, you know, anime stuff. It's hard for me. It's been hard for me to digest getting into anime because it's still hard for me because I'm almost 50 years old. Yeah. To get used to doing things a new way. And I know that kind of seems, I try, but. Sometimes it's just that way. That back to front throws me every time. Yeah, it's, so it's just hard. unnatural to read <laughs> yeah, a book no, back to front. But you know, but I respect that you know that that generation, the younger generation's got their own style yeah, of things, yeah. and yeah, not that everything's that, but I'm just that as an example. Yeah, I've already decided just, long ago like anime and manga are just not for me. 
but I don't uh, hate on anybody that likes it because like my care uh, loves like I think in, there's an anime right now that's like your favorite thing on television, right? It just wrapped up, but yeah, the Witch from Mercury, a Gundam show. It was so awesome. Yeah, very emotional. And my very wife cool. is getting me talking anime. Mm. So I'm, it's even hard for me to tell the difference between say an anime and manga. Not but yeah, yeah. Obviously <laughs> I know. Yeah, but think about it. Yeah, but uh, she's got me into a couple of things like that. So I think it'll probably work for me like anything did. I'll probably be that kind of watchable media first, and then I'll. It'll graduate down to. I, say, I, I think also uh, wrestling fans are, are really guilty of this kind of gatekeeping too, with with the generational. Oh yeah. Anything after a certain point is awful, and everything I liked was great. It's it's very. Uh, I don't use the word toxic, but they're they're very aggressive with their opinions for sure. Well, and not just to pick on on comic fans and wrestling fans, like you can find that mentality in almost any music, uh, yeah, right? In right, music right. and literature and yep. television, video movies. games. Yeah. So, um, but just to uh, give a little backstory on our friend McKay here. Mm. Uh, so McKay, you. You work at Nirvana, mm-hmm. our friends down the street. Okay. And, and congratulations, uh, got a promotion recently. Oh, yeah. really? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, nice. Store manager, yeah. Cool. fantastic, yeah. And, um, I need to speak to the manager. Mike's <laughs> 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 going full care. Yeah. But, uh, but before that, like I knew you as a, a local collector for a long time, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. And um, so as far as getting into comics, um, do you kind of remember what uh, when you were a child or when you were a kid, uh, kind of what was that kind of drove you or directed you toward comics or was it just yeah, a yeah. happenstance? That's or? a great question. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think this was really specific, oddly, to a certain year. And that was right around 85 and 86. Oh, good years. Which I was 11 and 12. Okay. And, and the reason I single out that specifically is because 86 was the 25th anniversary of Marvel. You're right. And there was a lot of nostalgic things. And one of the things, Amazing Spider-Man's what got me in. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, because I liked Spider-Man so much, I was reading Marvel Tales, which was reprints of the 60s. That was, nice, I mean, nice. when you didn't have graphic novels, I mean, for me, when I read like the first appearance of Green Goblin or the first Craven, mm-hmm. it was in Marvel Tales. It was in Marvel yeah. Tales. Yeah. Oh, wow, so cool. I was experiencing comics this way i mm-hmm. was experiencing the new books that are coming out which were around the, the hobgoblin time around the 240s 250s nice. 260s yep, nice. on in through there uh, so i'm i'm reading those in one sense i'm reading marvel tales so i'm i'm catching up on all the 60s spider-man right yep and then and i hardly ever hear anybody else mention this but i consumed marvel saga yeah, Marvel oh. Saga was amazing. Yeah. I read Marvel Saga, and that I felt like, even though I was coming in in the eighties, yep. I felt like I had a pretty clear. And it's something else that worked was the Marvel Universe Handbook and DC. Yeah. Oh yeah, yep. And for people who don't know, things, uh, Saga Marvel Saga was like it would basic almost like they would reprint the panels. It was chronological, but they were doing chronological from the beginning of Marvel Universe with like Fantastic Four up into like. Like the guess current at the end, I'd imagine. I have actually uh, suggested that to young people who who have come in, children that have come in in the like ten to twelve, fourteen range. It's a good recommendation. That uh, yeah. that want to know more about, and it's like, look this up online. You can probably find them for a buck or two a piece. Yeah, they were cheap. Uh, yep. They're still cheap. Yeah. Uh, but if you can find that, that'll give you everything you need to know to basically get through the sixties and right up to the seventies. Wow. Yep. And because that's how I did it. And, you know, that's really how I get I get people shop or, or grant talking all the time about this so-called encyclopedic knowledge I have. But really, it's just that. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just that I, I absorbed those things in real time. You grew up with it. All at once. Yes. You know, the, the Marvel saga, the, the encyclopedic type book, like 
Marvel the Universe yeah. and Tales and, mm. and the new. And then by that reason, by now, I think I've read every... And they don't have Be anything like amazing. that nowadays for like any of Marvel or DC. They don't really do well, any of that. No, it's, they, it's, you talk about like handbooks or something. Do or? they still do the Marvel handbooks or the sagas? From time to time, they will. Okay, the, uh, they'll do like so. Like DC, who's who's who? They would do updates back in the day, and you would have like the '89 update or a update, Book of the Dead update. The Book of the Dead was my well, favorite. The, and it's if you, actually all on their websites yeah. now. And when you would read oh, the Book of the Dead, yeah. every third dead character would have been killed by scourge <laughs> scourge killed so many of those you can look oh i love i was just talking about scourge a yeah. couple yeah. days ago to somebody i've noticed when you look up stuff all either on dc especially marvel's website yeah it's encyclopedic on there like you can so they'll have it where up, you say, can find Prowler, it online you just can't get the book you can like actually that. even find it every yeah. appearance if you look under oh, it'll cool. say uh so and so has 316 appearances and you can see chronologically even okay. if it went in one book if it was like Kingpins goes from Amazing Spider-Man, and then he showed up in a couple of Marvel team-ups or something, and then back yep. to Spider-Man. So it's it's oh, it's pretty. Cool. If uh, I yeah. can, I've looked several things up that way. That's awesome. Say we uh, DC just recently relaunched uh, of sorts with the Dawn of DC initiative. Have you had any uh, breakout books over at Nirvana from that? Any of those seem to be spiking? Dawn of DC has worked really, really well. And I think everybody was sensing that there was going to be a resurgence of DC eventually just because it was so stone cold. Mm, yep. I think Bill probably knows what I mean in that. Mm -hmm. Like when you know when something's just so dead, everybody knows it's dead, you can almost feel that there's a, yeah. it has to flip sometime. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and Don, they did, a, I think, a genius thing in that it had become such a thing that everybody's even joking about how often DC was rebooting everything. Mm. Yeah. It's like every it got two or really three years. And, and they've done it so many times that you it had become ineffectual because mm. if you did it, then you automatically got negativity for it, even if yep. it was good. Oh, it's another crisis. So right. just to roll this out in like a six-month or a year-long type yeah. span, doing this, this soft reboot where things yep. are... But it's all been quality. Mm. I mean, I haven't really read anything has. that I have been... Yeah, Super we, down on. we on the last episode, we kind of went through every Donna DC book that has came up now. And maybe there was one or two that we thought could use a little work, but no true stinkers. No, and we loved yeah. a lot of it. Like, mm -hmm. I'm reading Superman books again, which is crazy. Well, see, we actually talked about that because right as we were coming in, right before action kind of rebooted just before Donna DC, just yeah. like a month or two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And me and Grant were, we do a. Kind of like an FOC thing. We call it shipping meetings. Okay. That we'll we'll look over what's going to be on FOC that way, right? And we'll we'll adjust our numbers. That's the final order cutoff. That's yeah. like your last yeah. date to adjust. So we'll, we'll and that's talk. usually like a week or two before, about three weeks before the books come out. I think. Okay. Yeah. yeah so we'll talk about that, and uh, we were discussing that Action Comics was was we hadn't really thought about Donna DC yet because that was another month or so away. Yeah. But. Uh, we just wanted to kind of see if we could pick something that like had been slow, like Superman, right. and if we could feature it, feature it, and and draw our draw our um, our customers to try that, and it timed beautifully with with how good action turned out to be. Yep, and um, uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson. Yeah, uh, I talked to him at MegaCon in nice. uh, in March, and he was incredible. I, I talked to him about how well that was going at our shop. Cool. I told him that uh, you get there's a stigma with like artists and writers at shows where if you're wearing like your 
your store logo. Mm-hmm. Like they'll charge you more for autographs because what? they think you're just doing and, it to... and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, and uh, but I explained to him that I had books from our customers that okay. we don't just take our books to get them marked up and then come back and sell them, which we obviously do to a smaller extent. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. that we bring our customers' personal books with us to get signed okay. at a much much lower price point. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And uh. And I, I explained that to him, and he said, whenever you need anything, he said, if you need more books, he goes, email me, remind me who you are. He goes, I'll send them. I'll cool. sign as many as you want. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really stand-up guy. That's awesome. And also, just a shout-out, he's a local boy from Kentucky. Is he? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. But he was, he was super kind. I but talked to him and his wife probably 20 minutes. But you guys have noticed that Nirvana, the D.C. books are all – Kind of yeah. trending up now for you. And uh, to just to touch this very, very quickly, I originally was a little apprehensive that they were going so quickly into night terrors after same after Don Dizzy. I thought that was a mistake. It seemed yeah. seemed odd. Uh, but whoever came up with that decision is good because if that's just piggybacked right in, people are mm-hmm. all about night terrors. They love the variants. Yep, um, they are some really nice looking covers. In it's that. a yeah. it's. It's clock clicking. It's it's working. Yeah, yeah. Because you've got some people that are getting every Night Terror book, right? Like I know Ziggy. I do. Yeah, uh, is wanting yeah. all the Night Terror books. Yeah. yeah. Uh, most people, most people, it's kind of like a buffet. They'll pick and choose. Like you know, they'll be like, I want Zatanna, Catwoman, Shazam, uh, and then the main series. Uh, but then you have a substantial amount of people. They're just they're gonna they're in for a penny in for a pound. And yeah. so they're gonna if they're gonna get one book, they're gonna get the entire the yeah. entire and series. It, and it's kind of good for people who. You know, with inflation and everything, like, hey, I need to, I need to save some money right, right. now during the summer. I got vacation going on. Like, they can skip them for two months if they, if they choose. So, and then I have a few customers that they're not interested in night terrors at all. So, if they get Green Lantern, they're not, they don't want night terrors. Green Lantern, mm. like, they're just going to take a two month break. And I can say right now, uh, what's really good about Superman being so good is we have a movie. And uh, speaking of fingers Superman, fingers crossed, two yes. years. But so we did on an episode already. We talked about who was uh, the casting, right? Casting, yeah. but they've. Uh, They've announced more casting now. They did. A lot more. Yeah. yeah. They announced, I think, what was it, Mr. Terrific? Mr. Terrific. They announced uh, Mr. Terrific. Guy Gardner, no. Green Lantern, Hot Girl. Seeing that Nathan Fillion is playing Guy Gardner. Everybody wanted to be Hal, so but I tell you, I think he's going to make a better guy than I, Hal. I said the exact same thing. Yeah. I think I really do. I wouldn't have thought that, but once I saw it, I was like, brilliant. That yeah. Have you ever seen Dr. Horrible? Yes. 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 Uh, if you've ever seen Doctor Horrible, <laughs> you know that, Nate, that Nathan Fillion can do Guy Gardner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's he'll be so it's, obnoxious. It's, oh man, it's going to be good. Uh, there was a, a fellow that that helps us at the shop that uh, we always tease for being, as you said earlier, a contrarian. Yeah. He's always got to. If everybody's excited, he he's got to be the one to. I, I know people like that. And uh, he was just talking about how he thought that was the worst casting. That he was for the rest of it, but he just thought. Who would cast him? He should be high. Like you said, he should have been high. Yeah. And I was like, and I, we, I sent him a, uh, actually Grant sent it to me and I sent it to him, mm-hmm. but, uh, a little clip from, uh, from Dr. Horrible. And I was like, if you don't see Guy Gardner, <laughs> that, right. then you don't understand. Yeah. Right. Like, um, yeah. And the, uh, the guy that's playing Mr. Terrific, um, has been on a lot of stuff. He's on one of the best television shows on TV called For All Mankind. He was in uh, the X-Men movies, yeah, right? he played Darwin played, yeah. in X-Men First Class. Isabella Merced that's playing um, Hawk Girl. She's not been in a lot of stuff that 
probably we watched. Like she what was about in Dora, Dora, Dora the and the Dora Lost. The Explorer. <laughs> yeah, hey, I got uh, I got two daughters. So. <laughs> she was in Sicario: Day of the Salado, which is oh, a really good movie. movie. Hey, I want to um, I want to interrupt here and say that I don't I don't know if I think that making Hawkman and Hawk Girl people of color brilliant. That makes so much sense with the history yep. of their Egyptian roots of the characters. It seems like it just should have been that way along. I, I think yeah. that's that's really good. I would have I would have seen that. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. And then um, Anthony Kerrigan, who. Uh, if you've not watched Barry, right. watch Barry, is playing Metamorpho. Oh, I did see that. Yeah, that's good yeah. casting, too. And the cool thing is they have said, like James Gunn has said, everybody that gets cast for any of these DC things, mm-hmm. if their character appears in anything else, like I think they're going to do a Green Lantern TV show, so Nathan Fillion may uh, have some appearances on there. Okay, that's kind of what uh, Disney Plus does, right? Where they try and have synergy between They try to get the same them. actors, though. So yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But, I mean, so now we've got Metamorpho, Hot Girl, mm-hmm. Green Lantern, and right. they've also announced that the Authority is going to be in this movie. I mean, this is going to be packed. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be, I guess, like, is this going to probably be, this is going to be the first movie of Gunn's yes. tenure, tenure, right? Because yes, everything yes. else that's coming out, the Blue Beetle, Aquaman, that was all basically done before Gunn took over. Okay, uh, even so, though he's, he has said So now, Blue Beetle was before? Yeah, but he has said this actor from Blue Beetle and everything yeah. is going to move over into whatever they're the going to do. But that's burst. the only one that I'm aware that's of. The, that's the only one, so okay. yeah. I would trust James Gunn, though, with large casts. I mean, he's shown, mm. he's mm. shown that, he can, uh, that he can negotiate that. And I mean, just look at the sheer number of people that are in you know, the Guardians movies. Yeah, you know, if you count point. the Ravengers mm. and, oh, yeah. and, the, and the Guardians and the villains. and I mean, the... the that's a, that's a lot of characters. It and he, is. And he, you know, you can say whatever you want to about any of those three movies, but you can't say anything about his no. pacing or his direction. That's no. a, Suicide yeah, Squad, no. again, another example. That's yeah, one another, reason yeah. why I always give the Russo brothers a ton of credit for both Endgame and mm. Infinity, uh, Infinity War is because you're spinning a lot of plates. Like you have, yeah, I yeah. think, 30-something characters in those movies and 70-something speaking roles, and you got to make sure that time's allocated between Black Widow, Hawkeye, and... And everybody gets... Uh, everybody gets uh, everybody has their gets moment. A, gets a moment, yeah. yeah, yeah so lesser hands, that would have been a mess. A complete mess. So, yeah, yeah, and then uh, James Gunn, I'm looking forward to... And not only that, but he also shows a track record of taking like kind of like the C and D list characters, right? Like, yeah. it's not like he went to D- Disney and they gave him um, X Men. Mm. You know, he got uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, the Abnett and Landing version. And you know? might, yeah. I mean, honestly, pound for pound, might be my favorite Marvel movies. Is how much I actually love them. Right. So you really could argue good. as a franchise in totality, the three Guardians movies might be the strongest. Uh, all three of them are killer. Because all three of them are good. You know, the second one's probably my least favorite. Right. But I, I feel right. the same way. But, my wife loves the second one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. It, it is a good movie. Sure. And, uh, it, oh, but, I'm not saying it isn't. Yeah, yeah. But just if I if I view all three Guardians movies together. The just don't see it in 40X. The, 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 yeah. best, oh, the best and, joke I ever heard, or yeah. best meme or joke I ever heard about yeah. Guardians back when it first was a thing, yeah. was that uh, somebody online said that a, uh, you know, while DC's over here and can't make a good Superman, Batman, or Wonder Woman movie, Marvel's over here making movies with talking raccoons and anamorphic trees <laughs> yeah. and making you cry. Right? So yeah. there's, there's an a example. big difference yeah. between what each company yeah. was doing. And uh, speaking of Guardians, uh, real quick, uh, mm-hmm. the day our Comic-Con episode will come out, which is August 2nd, August 3rd, uh, is when Guardians 3 comes to Disney+. Plus. Nice. Oh, that's right. So, so we, we haven't had... seen it yet, yeah. And our um, we have Tyler and Hannah. Uh, I think that went to San Diego this year for us. Shout out! Yeah. So I think they're going to bring us back some cool. Um, I, I know he's he's promised some cool swag. 
Nice. Uh, I told him bring me back something Spider-Man related. But, um, no. He told me when he was a kid <laughs> that he used to, uh, whenever San Diego Comic-Con would roll around, he would make like a little fake badge and pretend oh. that he oh. was. <laughs> so I'm really excited to hear his report from San Diego. Yeah. Oh, he's been like, posting some fun stuff on Fanboy. You can tell like this is like, I'm so glad he's there. I am too. Yeah. And uh, one of these years, I, I would like to go. I mean, you should go when you're on. Let's do it. Let's go next year. You know. Yeah, Rocky took his uh, I'll his take worker. You to, I'll take you to San Diego. Let's go to San Diego. That's better than Let's Disney. Let's do it. Let's go on it. That's better than Disney. We'll go yeah. next year. On the topic of Rocky right quick, he yeah. gave me a really lovely shout out when uh, when he was this on here. This stays in so, the episode, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm going to return that. and uh, Rocky, I'm coming for you. Oh! oh. The gauntlet yeah, has you, been... Uh, you ended up helping, kind of. You gave, you gave some of your knowledge to help Rocky when he first opened his store, right? Uh, yeah, I worked there for a couple of months. Okay, and uh, it just—I've had a good relationship with Rocky. He's a good dude. He is. Yeah, uh, he was really kind to us during the, uh, you know, the pandemic because that was right around the same time. That's you know, right. and, yeah. Uh, he probably wouldn't want me to say this, but he'd he'd kind of make sure we had groceries or. Or at least offered, yeah. you know, he didn't have to do that. Right. So I mean, I have a, a debt of gratitude to him for for just being a stand up guy with me. Nice, so nice. Yeah. that's so, one of uh, the things that I say about like because we have in in Knoxville in the surrounding area we have like five or six comic book stores. Fourteen. Fourteen. Jeez. <laughs> and everybody <laughs> is friendly and helps each other. We are the mm. best that I can understand. Uh, we talk about this quite a bit. Yeah. That uh. It within th- within thirty minutes of here, there are fourteen places you can buy a comic book. Yeah, uh, that is more. I've done a little bit of research enough to tell you that that's more than Atlanta. Yeah, that's more Nashville. than Nashville. Uh, it's more than Charlotte. Charlotte. I mean, woo, woo. <laughs> I don't know about Miami. <laughs> yeah, or Orlando. But, but still, I would say we've got a fighting shot to be yeah. per capita. Uh, the comic book place in the southeast. Because yeah. like one of your bosses, when I had uh, some horrible stuff happen in April, I've never met Grant. I've never been to the store. Don't worry, Bill. I'm not mm-hmm. cheating on you. But he reached out to me to make sure I was okay. They are. Yeah. They are lovely people. Uh, they have been so good to me. Uh, you know, and and gave me every opportunity. If you know me at all, you know I have some some health issues mm-hmm. or, or mobility issues. They they never. They make sure everything's accessible to me nice. and that I don't Ooh. not ask to do things I'm not capable of doing. Bill, on the other hand, puts stuff in my way to make it harder <laughs> for me to traverse the store. I tried to get Ryan to change the tire on my car last <laughs> week, I, I, and he I, wouldn't do it. I can't say enough good things about them. Yeah, they're, no, they're, they're, awesome. they're very kind and uh, cool. and gotten to be really good friends. I'm excited them. all the Grant and Jazz are going to come on, I think, September, Bill? I think that's right. Yeah, I've talked yeah, to him yeah. at the fanboy, and they said, "Oh, yeah, oh, yeah." Hey, speaking of fanboy, oh, speaking yeah. of, look at you in the segways. <laughs> nice. Um, so, fanboy for those that aren't from Knoxville, fanboy is kind of like our big comic convention every year. Yes. It's right now. It's just once a year, right? They're not going back to their two mm, a year. I think they just do it once a year. It's like a mile from our store. It's like right in downtown Knoxville at the uh, Knoxville Convention Center. And uh, I think this year they had about 30, I think they announced 34,000 was the total headcount, yeah. 34,000 people over the Which three days. Which is crazy. That's like where they're they're trending just like Dragon Con. They're going up every year. Mm. Um, our friend of the podcast, Carson Hunt, on Saturday mm-hmm. posted a video where the line was kind of almost to the strip. Yes. And it was just, I know that was a little bit with like they only had two people doing security at the door. It was um, weird, yeah. They, like, I, I, like, there was only one point of entrance, I think, which was strange uh, when you have that many people. But they have everybody funneled uh, to one door, 
and they were, I think, wanding and doing bag checks. Yeah. So it took a little bit longer than expected, and some of the people uh, didn't get in on time. And but other than that, everybody had a good time. The, um, the celebrities and, were yeah. great. <clears throat> yeah, and to the credit of Fanboy, I think uh-huh. they they ended up uh, comping everybody for Sunday, right? That. So my understanding was everybody who had a ticket for Saturday uh, got in free on Sunday. Which is awesome. I think that's yeah. the right call. I think yeah. so. Um, just because of the uh, the snafu as far as getting people in on time. And so, you know, I talked to one guy, and he had driven here from Canada, and I think he was going to see uh, Governor Ventura, Jesse Ventura. Uh, yes, yes, <laughs> okay, you know, nice. The don't governor. Have, don't have time to bleed. Yep. I guess he had missed, like, the, the time for his signing or his panel because – uh, he got here an hour and a half early, but by the time he got through the door, the panel was like 45 minutes into the panel and it was almost done. Yeah. So a lot wow. of people were upset that had dr- driven here from long distances. Uh, but I think Fanboy did try and make an effort to, to correct it. So hopefully they'll just take this as a learning example and in the future. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think they just had too many celebrities maybe. You know, Kevin Smith probably brought 10,000 people by himself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, and he was a very short window, wasn't he? I think he only had four hours to meet him, maybe. Wow. Like from one to five or one to four. Muse is a little longer, right? Like Muse stayed a little he longer. He stuck around. Yeah. yeah. He stuck around? Yeah. Okay. And I, I do want to say a huge shout out to John Reese Davies, who I think on both Saturday and Sunday stayed after hours. Oh, well wow. over an hour. Really? Well over. Oh, cool. Yes. Uh, I had friends of mine that were getting stuff signed by him at eight o'clock on Saturday night. Rocky said the same thing. Like he had a good, right. uh, good one-on-one with uh, with him. Yeah, we yeah. we did too. Me and Jasmine and Grant all uh, met him at the end of that line. I think Rocky was just behind us. A few. That's people. awesome. Yeah, uh, but he was. Incredible. I can't say enough good things. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was almost like a show. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he was everything you would would want him to be. Yeah, we yeah. got up to him and. He was his handler had told us that he's got a comic book coming out or something related to some kind of graphic novel or something. Okay. And Grant asked him about it, and he just stands up and just goes into this, grabs Grant's hand, and, <laughs> you know, he goes into know, his pitch. and he's in that voice. Yeah, he's yeah, in yeah, that. Yeah. It made me, me think of a yeah. He's yeah. he's in this like very dramatic like <laughs> yeah. he's on stage. He's speaking like he's on stage. That's awesome. He's performing. Yeah. You know, but that's. They wanted me to do this book about my life, and I said no. But we'll do like a fictionalized account. He was that that the actor John Davies is is at a, a at a performance, and a young boy comes up and puts this item in your hand. Mm-hmm. What is it? It's a ring. And he goes through this whole huh. dramatic thing, and we're all three sitting there like <laughs> like jaw drop. Like wow. it's like you're getting your own private performance. Yeah, I thought Grant was gonna die when he grabbed his hand, and was like, and yeah. uh, but uh, we. Got a picture collectively that was the three of us. Yeah. And then he pushed, he told each of us to step out and he took pictures individually with all three of us. That's awesome. How cool is that? uh, And was just, yeah. I'd say, and I've met a lot of people at shows over the years, Mm -hmm. easily top three. Wow. If if not the best, just because, I mean, he didn't even just meet you as a person. Like, I mean, he, I mean, it was a performance. Right. I mean, it was incredible. I'll never forget that. He didn't maniac cop them. Yeah, maniac <laughs> cop. <laughs> but um, garbage day. And it's it's strange uh, on this when you do the conventions, you'll see a lot of the same celebrities over and over again, and most of them they kind of realize that if they're going to supplement their income by doing this, they have to be nice to the fans. You would think they would want to S- be so correct because otherwise the promoter doesn't ask you back. However, somebody as big as like a John Reese Davies or you know Adam West. Those guys, they don't have to be nice uh, to anybody. No. You know, they're they're going to get invited no matter what. So when you see somebody like John Reese Davies, uh, the, the caliber and the stature of John Reese Davies, to take time out to do that, 
uh, it really says something. Yeah, because like he, it. you know, because yeah. he, he's not maniac cop. You know, he's no. he's somebody that that you know. He, I feel he like can, you need to tell the maniac cop story. I don't real quick. <laughs> so real quick, this is in the, I, I, nothing against maniac cop, but I had a friend of mine. <laughs> I had a friend of mine, and he 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 he's one of these guys at conventions who likes to save money, so he doesn't pay the $40 to get his picture made. So with he's kind of wrong in this spot. But so yeah. he's correct. He's, he's, he's the guy who's like, hey, do you mind uh, you know, uh, taking my picture while I go meet the little girl from Halloween and kind of walk by you know, and just st- yeah, snap yeah, yeah. a couple while she's, <laughs> she's kind of looking at me? So he pulled that move with Maniac Cop where he was like, I don't want to give Maniac Cop $40 for his picture. So I walked by. He walked by his table and just kind of surreptitiously took like a little a, a picture where Maniac Cop wasn't looking. Oh. So he keeps walking. Three or four minutes later, he's 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 headed to the men's room, and he goes <laughs> in the men's room, and uh, he's waiting on a stall, and uh, and all of a sudden he feels a, a shoulder or a hand on his shoulder, and it grabs him kind of firmly. You know, it's just kind of strange in a men's room. Ooh, he yeah. turns around, and it's a maniac cop behind him. Robert Zadar. The, uh, I the, guess the, it's the, the actor the big from Chin guy. I think so. Yeah. I think so. And this is all I'm hearing the story secondhand. Yeah. I listened to the men's room. So he said, uh, he said, Maniac Cop kind of spun him around and says, Hey, that's going to be 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and now, Greg, keep an eye. This is in the men's room. Yeah. Oh. So he's shaking him down for 20 bucks in the men's room. He says, uh, 20 bucks for what? And Maniac Cop goes for that picture you just took of me. Oh. And he says, uh, And my buddy has the cell phone. He says, This picture? And he shows him the picture. And then he hits the trash button right in front of Maniac Cop's <laughs> face and deletes the picture. Yeah. And uh, he's like, I wasn't going to give him 20 bucks for... But I guess at the same time, he felt bad for taking the picture. So he did delete the picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, he got, he got shook down for 20 bucks. Who did, the, did they have you near a, near a celebrity this year? Because I know you, last year you were near uh, Ed, uh, Ed Bagley. Yeah, but no, this year, I signed up for my booths kind of late. Oh, did you? Actually, I okay. signed up about the same time. But I think more... People signed up for vendor spots, so a lot of the spots. I think that's what Tyler saw too, because there was a lot more vendors there than normal. Yes, he tried to squeeze in too many vendors, and the problem ended up happening was is that the promoter in doing that, a lot of the vendors where he squeezed them in, he put them next to the celebrities. Okay, so there's so being next to celebrities, there's pros and cons. Mm -hmm. The huge con is is that if the celebrity is very popular, the overflow line is going to go right in front of your booth. Mm. And um, it's going to be hard for people to uh, navigate their way to your booth because yeah. they're going to have to excuse me through a bunch of people in line. You so, guys were near Kevin's. We were right in front. I and mean, we were oh, wow. not facing them, but on yeah. the other side, right on the corner. Now, did you have any issues at no, all? No, if anything, line? it drove more traffic. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. So that's the uh, pro. The line, that- the line was... Uh, Snaked and managed that it didn't come all the way. I'm glad us. McCain came on here to call you out on your nonsense. Oh, oh no! no. Oh. <laughs> because wow, because Dang. My, only reason I bring that up is because it and and I did see that in other instances though. Yeah, because yeah, my yeah, buddy, yeah. no, um, no, I'm just kidding. Charlie Aiken at the 407. Yeah, um, I can't remember who it was, but he had somebody's line and it went right in front of his booth, and he was he was very upset, like he was demanding a refund. But I can see what you're saying because like uh, Tyler in one of his videos. Uh, shows uh, Kevin Smith's like. By the way, he called him Kevin James, and it's amazing. Um, <laughs> and it was like where King you could Queens, not baby. get through the people to yeah. get to over there to look at like the toys and everything that were there. Right. Yeah. So um, it, it can be a double-edged sword. I will say one thing: uh, being Bill's social media guy sometimes is a hard job. How many times did I ask you for a picture of the booth? <laughs> I think by text message 37, by voicemail 12, I think. I had, at one point, I had Grant. I had uh, Anthony Wilson, yeah. Tyler Russell, yeah. Kendra, yeah. and one other person with the instructions, make sure Bill sends me a picture of him in front 
of the of the stand. And thankfully, Tyler is the one that came through. For we got me. a fantastic picture. We for did you. get a fantastic picture where Rocky was looking over. It doesn't the matter. Direction. It was amazing. <laughs> um, but I can tell this year was way busier than before. Yeah, it was. Um, dollar wise, we probably did about the same as we did last year. Okay. But it seemed like there was a lot more people this year. Okay. Yeah. And, and Nirvana, this was. Have they been to every fanboy? No, we've only. This was only our second. The second. Okay. Yeah, we. Uh, that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. I think we've now the year before, which was long enough that he was still around more. Yeah. Um, I did it with Richard, but it was just Richard promoting Cold of Dracula. Which is his. Uh, which, which is, is his his, book. his, yeah, yeah. his first book. He's on okay. his third now. Now okay. Richard is he's one of the co-owners. Yeah. Well, okay. he's. Uh, or is he the he's owner? pretty much moved on to to his writing career now. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, Grant and Jazz have been the Jasmine and Grant have been the. Uh, you gonna let me know that day. now? Do I need to call her Jazz or he, Jasmine? Either, because I don't want her to get some beef with me when she's on here no, in a couple of months. No, no, okay. she's she's she doesn't she responds to either. Okay, I just I want to make sure I said her proper name on the yeah, yeah, on yeah. the air where yeah. people hear it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, they've. For the most part, they've they've been to the day to day owners for the last couple of years. Nice. Richard okay. Richard has trans. Everybody's still very amenable, but they're on their their path now to uh, really any time now being the full owner. So oh good, good, uh, good. he exciting. hasn't he hasn't had day to day row there in, in, in a couple does of he, years. Uh, does yeah. he miss working there? He's really digging his writing career. Oh good, uh, yeah, yeah. He's, I, he's, I saw he's, he was he's uh, really doing a lot of. He does a lot of shows and a lot of. Uh, I was about to say I saw he was a guest in San Diego and, this year. Uh, so he's that's meant a lot to him. So so he's transitioned into that. Um, uh, Who Grant, publishes his book? Uh, Red Five. Red Five. Okay. Uh, but uh, he's been doing exceptionally well. Does tons of big conventions. But it's that's just why he's transitioned to. It was. I think it had a lot to do, as you know, his his wife passed away at, at, at the end of 2020. So mm-hmm. that, I think, it was, I think, I can't speak for him, but I'm going to assume that it was difficult for him to, to continue to run the shop without her. So he transitioned into something his passion was in. So so kudos to him. And he nice. was, you know, he's the person who, him and Amber are the people who, who first let me start helping out there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I have a big debt of gratitude to them. Uh, Garen said the same. Garen was on a couple episodes ago. Yep. And spoke really highly of Amber. Uh, yeah. She was. She was a really, really sweet lady. She, she would. She would go out of her way to the point of sacrifice to make sure you were comfortable, and that you know, uh, whatever she had to say. Right. Yeah, you know, to to make you feel like you were part of the conversation, that your right. your opinion mattered, that you were comfortable being there, and I, I have never heard one bad word said about her. You know, if if anybody don't like something else, fine, but they never say anything about her, and, right. I, and yeah, she yeah. deserved that reputation. Yep. Uh, so you were a man in the booth, so you probably didn't have time to really go meet anybody, right, Bill? Not so much, no. Okay. No. What about you, McKay? I did get to go meet. My two things that I wanted out of the weekend was to meet Mama. Oh, Vicky nice. Mama. <laughs> oh, Vicky Lawrence. Lawrence. Yeah. So I, I did the photo op with her in costume. That's in awesome. costume. Uh, which is really funny because I was I used a wheelchair that weekend just because I can't. I have neuropathy in both legs, so it's mm. it's difficult for me to walk mm. in and out of buildings yeah. that large. Yeah. Is it very accessible? Uh, like, do they? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was yeah, fine. Okay, yeah, it was good, totally yeah. fine. But. And I don't need that in short term, like to come in here. But yeah. I have to sit down pretty quickly. If you notice, I don't stand up at the counter very long periods. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. can't do that. But uh, 
But for lines like that, which was like a two-hour line for Ooh. me to get to him, I had to have my chair. There's no way I could. Oh have yeah, stepped no, that. yeah. Uh, so, um, so I'm getting up to to Vicky Lawrence there, and I was like, I can. I was telling her handlers that I can stand for this. Okay. And they're like, okay, and I I get out of the chair, but I had sat in that chair so long that like I was sick. having my. Uh, hamstrings were killing me okay and when i tried to get out of the chair i, I stumbled and and limped a lot more than normal oh no and it was hard for me to to get to her yeah and i guess she thought i was suffering because i maybe had to be in the chair more than yeah, she yeah, thought yeah. i did and uh and she had been static for everybody else's like your else that i had saw in line she was just sit there she didn't speak or mm-hmm. or do anything and i was approaching her limping and obviously in, in pain which yeah, was yeah, from yeah my hamstring and she goes are you okay honey oh or sweetie are you yeah. okay sweetie and i said yeah mama. was she doing the mama voice <gasps> yeah, yeah. And, and i said yeah mama and she huh and she just kind of smiled and we took the picture That's and by then awesome. i was okay and i okay. walked back to the chair and, and rode on out yeah but what i was going to tell you is about the kevin smith meeting it was I love Kevin Smith. I've yeah. followed him since mm-hmm. Clerks, oh, yeah. and just that he's really one of us. You know, mm-hmm. he just—he's a great storyteller. You know, yeah, yeah. he's fantastic. He's, he's so much fun. Yeah, and you just had a couple of minutes, really. I mean, they gave you time, but you know, within yep. reason. You know, they didn't move you too too hard through that. Nice. But uh, but I got in there and spoke to him, and he saw my Nirvana shirt. Awesome. And, you know, and he was like, "Oh, that's a cool shirt," and I was like, "Yeah, it's my. This is a store I'm manager of," and uh, and I said, "We just got nominated for an Eisner for." Uh, uh, Spirit of Comics Award. Yeah. Oh, congratulations for that, by the way. Yeah. 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 Again, pause. Uh, we did not make finalists. Thank well, you very much. No, I mean, but, we just, but hey, to be just nominated, nominated is fantastic. With how many comic stores there are in the 20, nation? 27 yeah. stores uh, in the world were nominated. Yeah. yeah. It's international as well. But I told him, I said, we were nominated for an Eisner. I said, we're right over here. I said, I'm sure you can't get around easily in here, but if you can, we'd love you to come by the booth, which, of course, he didn't, but I still offer an invitation. And just that gregarious nature of him, he goes, because you know how he's, just how he talks. And uh, he goes, he goes, well, I've owned a store for 27 years, and I've not got a (laughs) Eisner Award. Awesome. And uh, he goes, so congratulations on that. And then when I left, he goes, good luck. I hope you get it. And I was like, Thank you, and it, so it was really cool. That's very That's, cool. Yeah, and uh, but I just thought that was just uh, a really cool Kevin Smith moment, you know. To, yeah, I saw him at the Bijou a couple of years ago. He was there. Uh, t- I think the one reboot, the reboot one where Jay's uh, uh, Kevin Smith's daughter plays Jay's oh, yeah. daughter. Yeah, um, and he did like uh, almost 30, 45 minutes afterwards, like telling stories. Yeah, he's a super cool dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now you've had a celebrity once before at Fanboy come up to your booth. Oh, we had, I think it was maybe four or five years ago, it was Gene Simmons from yes, uh, from yes, Kiss. Yes, um, And now, and the thing about Gene is, he's actually kind of a comic book aficionado, so he actually knows quite a bit about comics. And I think he actually published his own comics there uh, for a while, him and his son. He got into an argument with my buddy Fred Daly about, <laughs> about an issue of, oh, what was it? Was it Micronauts? I think it was Micronauts, about who had uh, who had penciled the issue. Yeah. And he was, uh, he was claiming that it was Alfredo Alcala, and uh-huh. it turned out it was Herb Trimpey. Yeah, and uh, and Fred had called him on it, and so we opened up the book, and it turned out Trimpey, I think, had penciled it, and Alfredo Alcala had inked it. So it's kind of like a draw. So it's kind of a draw, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And Gene was Gene was very proud that he uh, that he and then, and then he started talking about Alfredo Alcala doing doing Doom Patrol or something. But but uh, 
But he was an incredibly nice guy. Did not buy a single thing at my booth. He tried to bargain you for something, right? He Well, so I, I told him I'd sell him that issue of Micronauts that he was wrong about for $3. <laughs> and he told me that uh, he'd only give me a dollar for it. And I told him that I'd have to turn it down. And he said, well, Micronauts is a, is a canceled title. They don't even make it anymore. And I said, I know that, Gene. And he said, uh, he said, well, that's indicative of um, its quality. What? <laughs> he said, he said if the book was good, they would still be making it. But since they don't make it anymore, that uh, the, the the book must not have been that good. And he was only going to give me a dollar for the issue. You think Skybound's got the Micronaut rights now? Oh, I think who had it there for a while was it? IDW? Micronauts are like inhumans to me. They just keep trying to make it happen every few years and it just never sticks. Or those yeah. go with the ROM rights back to Marvel? Oh, well, yeah. see, I'm yeah. wondering about the because I know Marvel's about to do that Omnibus. They are. But they haven't an, a ROMnibus. Uh, but oh, they, haven't, hey. uh, they haven't announced any new ROM books, right? Just that they're doing... I think just the omnibus. Romnibus. Yeah. I think there's <laughs> okay, Ryan. I think there's several several other titles and characters that go along with that. Okay. If I remember correctly, I do not recall if that is one of them. But right. how big did Void Rivals do? For oh Atlanta? man, it's one of those things. It's one of those Kirkman things that drives you insane. Like yeah, the last right. issue of yeah, Walking yeah, yeah. Dead, where where uh, it's like he intentionally is out to make retailers as mad as possible. I love it. It's fun. Uh, It is fun. As a reader, it's so fun to get surprised by a book. Thunderbolt's number one. Right. But I don't see how they don't realize that doesn't cost them money because... You know, if that had been... Kirkman has all the money. But see, that's the the other side of what we're talking about, about leaking. In this this case, if that had been leaked, you know... so that's the trade-off would have is, that, more. is that Marvel probably did sell more Spider-Mans by leaking that information. Because if they don't, if they don't tell you it's a death issue, then, then stores don't bump up yeah. the orders. So it is, kind of a, it is kind of a trade-off. I'm with Ron. I, I kind of like to be surprised. But as a retailer, I would have liked to have known yeah, there's that. Two I would have liked to have known that 193 was going to be the last issue of Walking Dead because I would have ordered a boat. I remember of, being in the store that day. And every single phone call you answer was, right. I'm out of Walking Dead. Right. I'm out of Walking Dead. For the yeah. Rick's, uh, Rick Grimes, uh, uh, where he gets killed, spoilers. Yeah. And then the last issue coming like two issues later. Right. Like yeah. both of those, like nobody saw coming. And it, well, and it, it felt very, like, like almost like Kirkman didn't even plan it. So you're coming up on uh. issue 200, right? So, I yeah. mean, as a retailer, you know issue 200 is going to sell crazy numbers. So why not end it on 200? And he had and done the fake covers for like 194 through like fake 194. Fake solicitations. So, yeah. Fake solicitations. So you'd already yeah. thought you'd ordered like two other issues that weren't ever going to come out. Just like when he was trolling everybody with, oh, look, Daryl's coming to Walking Dead yeah. with the shadow cover with the crossbow. Oh, um, uh. He said one time that he would, uh, he said um, the actor that played Daryl, what was his name? Um Look it up, Shipley. <laughs> Come on, oh, Ryan. Norman Reedus. Reedus. You're slow on the draw. Norman Reedus. Yeah. You didn't even have to look that one up. No, I did. I'm going to give you credit. <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, Finally. He said, he, said, he said Norman Reedus had begged him for, I think, two or three years to put him in the comic because Norman was a huge comic book fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the issue was is that the character of Norman Reedus was owned by AMC. Oh. And so if you put Norman, if you put uh, Daryl in the comics, then AMC would have a portion of whatever books Daryl appears in. Okay. They'd have some proprietary rights. Okay. And and gotcha. he didn't want to. He wanted to own it lock, stock, and barrel. Okay. So he, he was never really going to put Daryl. I think they teased one issue that showed a guy with a crossbow, crossbow one yeah, time. They, they were in the shop. It was, it right was before, in the shadows. It was right before Negan, the Negan War. And so stores went crazy. Like every yep. store was ordering, like, oh, this is the first Daryl. And the stores ordered like 200 copies, 400 oh, copies. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, he said he'd never intended to put Daryl. You Darryl still in. had some of the Walking Dead 25 cent copies when we had uh, Free Comic Book Day this year. 
So a lot of times I'll give away where I order too many books <laughs> and space becomes an issue. So a lot of times I'll give away books on free comic book day that aren't really free comic book day books because I just want them out of the store. We've been giving away that <laughs> Ultimates 2 trade, like uh, the Spider-Man, Death of Spider-Man for the last four so, years. <laughs> some, some of the stuff people, even even free, they refuse to take it now. <laughs> After like three or four years, I won this last year. I remember one year we gave away so many Werewolf by Night trade paperbacks. Yes. Volume two. Yeah. The week after Free Comic Book Day, I went to McKay's and there were like five copies there at McKay's. Over at McKay's, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, at McKay's used books on paper mail. There were like five copies where people had gotten, had won them in contests and uh, I guess they'd taken them straight to McKay's and cashed them in. Yeah. I do think, uh, so before McKay came out, I had uh, sent him a message and said, hey, mm-hmm. we usually do a top five writers, top five artists, That's who right. is your favorite and character? And he said, Spider-Man. And I go, me and you are like blood brothers, buddy. Um, <laughs> oh, I can talk Spider-Man from now until yeah, the next time yeah. you do a Shadow of the Clock. Uh, but easily. Hollywood Paul is our Spider-Man guy. Hollywood uh, Paul. And we don't want to get on his bad side. No, he uh, wants. we want to save Spider-Man for Paul. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to do the top... We're gonna. We may end up at top three. We're gonna at least yeah. discuss a ton of let's, them. Let's, let's shoot um, for th- top three. That's gonna be so hard. Man. It is gonna be difficult, but um, we can do it. But we'll figure it out. We might have just rumor up, so I feel good. But we're <laughs> gonna look at the the top writers of Daredevil. Yeah. Um, I'll start with the most obvious, uh, Frank Miller. Okay. Um, now you you also realize he he started off as an artist before he was a writer on he Daredevil. He did, but he also created but- Stick. Electra, Electra, the hand, the hand. Yeah. Uh, so wow. a lot of like what you see in the Daredevil mythos, yeah, uh, is Even, him, and it also inspired so much of the Ninja Turtles, so, and, Splinter and the Foot Clan. Correct, or based are based on uh, kind of his character designs. Yeah. So the character of Electra was actually based on a uh, Will Eisner spirit character called Sans Serif. She was really? kind of like oh. she's kind of like the in comic oh. books she's considered like the first femme fatale in, in the history of comics, kind of like the the bad girl that's also good, have the heart of gold, kind of. But I will say this about Frank Miller, and I'm with you. He's, I think, I think he's going to be hard to dislodge from the top three. Yeah. But I will say this: not only did he create all those characters, but I'm also going to give him credit for like what your idea and and McKay's and Mike's idea of of, of Bullseye and Kingpin are. Yep, those are from Frank Miller. So mm-hmm. if and McKay will back me up on this. So when you read Kingpin and Amazing Spider-Man, it was Spider-Man making a bunch of fat jokes. Yeah. And jumping around, and Kingpin wasn't super menacing. Like he did have like kind of like a mob of guys. Yeah. But when Frank Miller started doing Kingpin, all of a sudden he's in a dojo. He's fighting ninjas. Yep. Like he's working out. He's punching a heavy bag. Like Daredevil wasn't making fat jokes about this version of Kingpin. <laughs> this version of Kingpin would would, would beat yeah. you down. And I think Frank Miller also created uh, Matt's mom, the the nun character, right? That comes out of a uh, Frank Miller's run. I think yeah. I think mm-hmm. that comes out of um yep. was it uh, Man Without Fear. But if not, but it's from, definitely from the Frank yeah. Miller. And hey, and so uh, and, and the new like, show that's coming out, Daredevil: Born Again. Yes, and, and that's <laughs> taken straight from the Frank Miller books. And yeah. not only did he reinvent Kingpin, but he reinvented Bullseye. Yeah. So Bullseye was kind of a lame character that had been invented in, in Daredevil probably four or five years before Frank showed up. Marv Wolfman uh, was a Wolfman character. Oh, yeah. Huh. And yeah. Um, oh, and cool. so he kind of kept the he kind of kept the premise somewhat the same, but he completely re- reinvented the costume, reinvented the personality. You know, made him a lot more serious and not so jokey. 
So uh, that was about like 1981. I, I looked it up before. Yeah. I sometimes look up stuff before you tell me to. Bless <laughs> your mouth. What was Daredevil? Did, did they just not like go into like much of Daredevil's origin? They just had the radioactive ooze, and then he just learned how to be a martial artist himself. They never really gave him much of a backstory. So retconning wasn't a huge thing back in the Silver Age. Yeah. So they it was pretty much you're starting from point A, and you're just going to point B, and you're not going back and revisiting point A. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. you're going to point C and point D, but never you're going back to point A. And then retconning became kind of a huge thing in the 80s to where they realized, hey, we can just fill in these blanks and pretend these stories happened back mm-hmm. in the day. But write them now, you know. Okay. So with a lot of the Daredevil stuff, you know, you had he filled in a lot of the he filled in a lot, you know. Um, he made uh, he made Karen Karen Page a heroin junkie. He she sold her uh, Matt's identity to Kingpin for some smack. Yep. You know, I mean, he just he really kind of deconstructed Matt's life and, and kind of got grim and gritty. The same kind of the same thing he did with Dark Knight with Batman. Well, he yeah, did yeah, make yeah. one fundamental change. I'd like to yeah to mention. Sure. Uh, he did change the, and I think it was somewhat trying to change it back when he did Man Without Fear. But, mm-hmm. but in Born Again, he changes uh, Matt's dad from the heroic, the noble. Right. You know, he wasn't going to take the fall. Or take he made the, it more like Bruce Willis in Pulp Fiction. And he made him more abusive and, and drunk in, yep. in yeah. uh, Born Again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's some mild retconning in there okay. of, right. of the origin because he was getting away from the. From the Matt got his skills from watching his dad fight right. to yeah. transitioning that to the ninja thing, so uh, it made more sense to to make that change to that character. Yeah. So yeah. there is some very minor retconning, but otherwise, yeah, that's totally right. And listeners yeah. that are born again and Daredevil Man Without Fear with Rick Ramita was doing the art on that, right? Ramita right. Junior. Nice. Uh, if you can, you know, find those collections, they're always available. Uh, fantastic Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you have what's what's one of your writers that you were thinking of uh, for the top three? To be honest, I don't know if I can put them in the top three, but I do want to give a shout out to a particular story sure. by a particular mm-hmm. artist mm-hmm. or a writer. Sorry, uh, I absolutely adore Devil and Cell Block Day. I think that is one of the finest modern Daredevil stories. Yeah, uh, I I enjoyed that immensely. I don't know if that's enough to put him in the top three because okay. that's, that's rarefied air with how many really, really good writers <laughs> yeah. there are. It's crazy. But, uh, uh, but yeah. that's next to Born Again, uh, that's what I recommend to most people that I oh, think they, wow. wouldn't, they wouldn't know. to. Mm-hmm. Just to recap super quickly, Devil and Sobach D is uh, the city of New York uh, imprisons Matt Burdock for Daredevil's crimes. Yep. They essentially want him to uh, admit that he's yeah. Daredevil. But he so, can't because then all these cases will these, fall down on him. These people will be let back So they the want to put right. him in general population so he'll either A, defend himself and prove he's Daredevil right. or yep. get killed and they don't have to prosecute and him. And Kingpin's in prison too at this point. Well, Kingpin, Bullseye, the Owl. Ooh, the Owl's there. Uh, and there's a fantastic sequel, which is probably what got my attention, was there's this great moment in the end of one of the early issues of that run where... Uh, Punisher's in a, a cafe reading a newspaper and he sees that this is going down in the prison, you mm-hmm. know, that all of these villains of Daredevil and Daredevil are in there because he knows who Daredevil is. Yeah. He goes out on the street and finds this guy robbing a lady and just breaks his neck. <laughs> I mean, just kills him. There's this little rookie cop that's like, it's, Dare- it's, 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 it's uh, Punisher. Yeah. And he's like, yep. puts his hands out and he's like, yeah. It's like, I want to go where the funny is. Right. Yeah. And I was like, wow. Like, you know, how great is that? Yeah. But I, I, I really, uh, 
Sorry to the diverge from the top three. That oh no no. See we this is what we do. We're gonna abso- we're gonna we're gonna announce a few of them and then we're gonna find out the, who the top three are. That's an right? absolutely. I think just yeah. Devil and Cell Block Day. It's, right. it's the first Brew Baker run yep. right after Bendis. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it's crazy I, too because Bendis um left, Bendis left him in prison. Left him in so prison. So it's almost like writers like kind of clean slate at the end of their runs it was kind of like a challenge so he was yeah. like okay ed brubaker you're coming on and it was uh i think it was brubaker and michael lark doing the art and the, yep. the art was phenomenal yep. but uh but yeah he was kind of like okay let's see i'm gonna put him in prison let's see what you can do with matt murdoch in jail uh mike do you have any uh yeah definitely i do um you know i always adored guardian devil kevin smith's run but i think what i enjoyed even more than that were the following runs that came after that mm-hmm. and i think one that gets overlooked a little bit or maybe shuffled in that people don't really think about it's david max run oh yeah which it is was a very short run with, right? very short it's only like three or four issues but um it connects oh, yeah, smith and bendis right? yeah yeah and, and but, uh, i guess i bleed a little bit into bendis in my memory of that too yeah with, but um, he came up with echo and the golden mm-hmm. gun with kingpin and all that yep. and that transitioned into the brian michael bendis That's run right. uh, so you know like i said the kevin smith one was great very wordy but very great i loved what he did with mysterio but mm-hmm. that david mack into brian michael bendis that that was gold to me so i guess you bring up a good point with it being so short so i guess the name i will put on the list would would be bendis but it was a good transition right. into both of those those arcs i and just remember being so serious and and fresh felt really good and bendis did about almost 50 issues bendis was on the book for a long time it was his first um, um big book right because uh, up to that point, well, he did I mean, the crime stuff like Jinx and so you had Jinx and Torso. You had Powers. But this was, was probably his first big. Marvel proper, right? Well, I think. Did you say Alias? Maybe Alias was yeah. before Daredevil. I'm gonna look it up. Okay. Look it up, Shipley. But no, no, that's a good. That's absolutely a good choice, Mike. I, I, I mean, I was thinking the same thing. So my thing with Daredevil is, is I, I would argue that Daredevil for the last twenty something years has been a consistently. It's probably been Marvel's. Most consistently good book. Yeah, so so long. So, so it's when, crazy, right? So when we first opened, when we first opened my store, I ordered fifty copies of Daredevil number one by Kevin Smith. Wow. From Collector's World because I didn't have a diamond account, <laughs> and um, but I knew that book was going to be big because I knew I knew Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. I knew Daredevil was ripe for and and at at that time Joe Casada had just taken over and had instituted Marvel Knights. Brilliant and he, stuff. And, and, and as editor in chief, so he brought in Kevin Smith. Uh, and that storyline was good, and it was the Guardian Devil it was only like eight issues long. Yep. Um, and then it, it it went into the David Mack stuff, and and people forget it was also a three issue thing there by Bob Gale, who's the guy who wrote oh, Team yeah. Wolf. <laughs> Remember Michael well, J. Not, Fox let's Team not Wolf. Talk about the Bob so Bob Gale, Gale right? came in and <laughs> yeah. wrote wrote three issues, and then it went to uh, Bendis for years. Mm. Yep. Then it went to Ed Brubaker. Yep. Then it went to Andy Diggle. Then um, Mark Wade. And then Mark yeah. Wade. And so and 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 the. Pretty much the Kevin Smith, Brubaker, Bendis, Diggle stuff was all grim and gritty. Mm-hmm. And then Mark Wade came on, and it was a breath of fresh air because it was kind of like the swashbuckling Daredevil again. That little palate Con- cleanser. Where he yes. would smile sometimes. Where, yes, you know, every now and then he'd be in the middle of a parade with the mayor of the city or whatever. Yep. And, and Chris uh, Sammy did the art, right? Chris Sammy was doing and he has kind of a throwback style. Yep. So and it I, seems like that's kind of what they were going for more with the Daredevil and She-Hulk and the MCU TV shows. More of that, a little bit more lighthearted. Yeah. Very yeah, much yeah, so. yeah. yeah. To, just to piggyback off your pick, Mike, I, I'm going to say, you know, just because of, of him kind of putting a spotlight on Daredevil again, I'm going to say Kevin Smith, you know, is, is even though it was only like eight issues. It was a big spotlight. Uh, it was a huge spotlight, and everything that we're talking about kind of came after this Kevin Smith run. What I like, too, about the Kevin Smith run is he didn't go down the well with the uh, the known Daredevil 
row gallery. He went with Mysterio. Oh, yeah, spo- spoiler. Uh, that was that kind of came out of left field, but yeah, yeah, yeah. cool and twist on the whole story too. Really, well, really and, and everybody was up in arms because if you remember the storyline, like the second issue, I think he's with Black Widow at the top of a building, and Daredevil takes that baby and he tr- tries to throw it oh, off the roof of the, yeah, the building, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and people yeah. are like, Matt Murdock would never do that, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so it's the fact that Mysterio was behind it all, kind of, uh, and Casada did the art for the whole. He did, yeah. which actually resulted in one of my all-time favorite Daredevil pictures, where his mom, the nun, is holding him yeah. on front of the church, and he's just he's broken. And yeah, it's he really good. But that's why I knew that. Uh, well, earlier when you were talking about whether it was in Daredevil or Mouth Up. Fear right. that it was in, was it in that, it's in Born Again because mm. of that image. I was thinking mm. of that image right. exactly. Yep. By the way, I feel really horrible now once I looked up what Bendis's first work was with Marvel. What was it? Ultimate Spider-Man. Oh! I was <laughs> it was right on the top <laughs> yeah, of my tongue. Yeah. I knew it yeah. was. I knew it was something big, but I knew it wasn't there. I feel um, <laughs> so I'll say so. Yeah, so that's good. Kevin Smith around, I think, is uh, legendary. Yeah, I think it's yeah. Um, one, I I don't know if she'll end up making the the cut. But and and Nascenti, Nascenti, nice. The Inferno, her Inferno issues uh, are amazing. I'd never seen at that point a hero that beaten down, Mm. like during during Mm. her run. She also um, she created what Typhoid Mary, right? It's hers, yeah, Mm -hmm. which is a big part into the. And that character's made a recent return as well. Yeah, I don't care for her writing today, um, unfortunately. I think she kind of gets overlooked. On Daredevil, and she was on that book for golly six, seven years. She's like the she, longest, like running. the longest. Yeah, yeah. she oh, has wow. the longest tenure. Was John that was Romita actually Jr. Was, I was. Okay, his, his. but she, you can still talk about what you think of her. Yeah. Uh, John Romita Jr. did the art for most of her run, right? A lot of it. Oh, yeah. and she also incru- introduced. Did she introduce Bushwick? I Is that his name? So. And Bullet, the guy with the shotgun. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that was yes. her character. Yeah, yeah. What did you think of her? I pretty much you pretty much covered it dead on. Um, I was going to actually use that as a. Uh, bridge to what both they both said. Yeah, uh, talking about following up. Yeah, after mm. somebody, mm. she had to follow up against the biggest one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, and and being a female writer. Yeah, I mean, so at the time when she, there weren't a lot of female writers in comics. Exactly. Yep. That if you uh, if you figure everything she had against her, that mm-hmm. she was female, yep. that she was coming after Miller, yep. uh, and that she mm. winds up being the longest tenured writer. That's yeah. crazy. I, yeah. That's why I said. That's why I wanted. Uh, so about six years. Been, yeah. Wow. Who went came after her? Do you know? I've got a list here, everybody. Uh, DG Chichester. DJ Chichester. Chichester. So he did the um, the Daredevil Fall from Grace story. Yeah. Um, oh, where Daredevil oh, okay. had the armor. Yes, uh, oh, a lot of people yeah. don't like that outfit. It was <laughs> kind of a weird looking, uh, kind of black and red. Oh, but it was. Uh, um, oh, it was very nineties. Very very not very angular. Yep. If you can't tell, I take I take nine. I like so. it. Way more prepared than that Rocky guy. <laughs> <laughs> you trying to get me killed? <laughs> no, no. Um, as long as you don't say something bad about Loki, we're okay. Yeah. Um, well, that Loki is a sweet dog. Sweet dog. Yeah. Do you have any other ones that you want to bring up, uh, Mike? You know, I know that we like to guard against recency bias here on the Comics Exchange podcast, but I've got to give a shout out to Chip Zdarsky's uh, run, man. Absolutely. That is yep. so quality. It's like the best elements of all the Daredevil stuff from before, and he just still makes it feel modern somehow. Uh, just a pro, man. He was made for that character. What a great run. Yeah. Marvel chose uh, chose a good writer there uh, for Daredevil. And it's weird because at the time, you didn't really think of Zdarsky doing a lot of crime stuff. No. You know, I you do now. Him, you thought <laughs> yeah. him doing more like the humor books, like sex, sex criminals, criminals. Yeah, and yeah. stuff. Yes. But uh, but yeah, like I said, and that kind of that supports my theory that 
I mean, Daredevil for the last 20, 25 years, I don't know necessarily if there's been a bad writer, I would say. No, I don't think yeah. you can point I mean, one. some people don't like the Andy Diggle stuff. Some people don't like the Mark Wade stuff, but uh, I like yeah. both. I like both I'm of them. I'm kind of working my way through Zardoski's run right now. Mm. Um, so good. What's so great about it is, like, if you go, like, the first 22, 23 issues of that book, Matt Murdock is in the Daredevil costume one or two issues. Mm, mm, uh, yeah. So much of it is outside. But what uh, Zardoski is doing great, too, is his kingpin. Where they, yes, they keep yes. cutting the back that Kingpin is just inside. He's an insecure little fat kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the amount of humiliation he gets and what he, how, he, how he deals with that in, in Zardowski's run is yeah. so well done. It definitely makes him more of a three-dimensional character. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does anybody else have any other ones they want to put I'm on the table? Two very brief sure, dare, dare, Daredevil points. Yeah. Uh, not, maybe not. Or a writer, well, I did one of them as a writer yeah. point. Would you realize that Daredevil has the exact same succession of first three writers as Amazing Spider Man does? Really? Ah, I uh, that. Stanley, Stars Roy Stan, Thomas, Roy and, Thomas. and, and uh, Jerry Conway. Holy crap! Okay. Really nice. Uh, now, Which, I mean, Marvel did they did want Daredevil to kind of piggyback off mm-hmm. of Spider Man. Is that why he teams up with Spider-Man so much? Well, there's that, and, and as a matter of fact, that's why they changed his costume from like the the two tone, the uh, the original to like the all red when Wally Wood redid it. Yeah, it was just kind of they they were like, well, Spider-Man's in all red, and his sales are through the roof. So huh. if we make Daredevil in all red, you know. Um, so, so here's the irony: is yeah. that even though the succession's the same, think about it like this: by far. If you take the first appearances of all the major, uh, and Bill would know this, if you take the first appearances of all the major legacy Marvel Silver Age characters, mm-hmm. Daredevil number one's by far the, the least expensive. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, what's it run right now? Nothing to the fraction of what any of the rest are. Which is kind of amazing so because it, it, it's still expensive. Also, it did come out a couple years after, but I mean, it, it was it was it was like what sixty five or sixty six, I think, was Daredevil one. So, but yeah, it, it's much much cheaper than you're going to find uh, FF one or X Men one or Spider Man one. Yeah, or, by by far. By and, far. He, and to me, he's just as important. Yeah. And his succession, like I said, is the exact same as Spider Man's by writer. That's incredible. Because uh, that really was something is. I did in my research when I when I was looking this up. I was like. That's incredible. I, yeah, I didn't even. That really is. I, I'm, yeah. Those are my two favorite Marvel characters. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and the succession's the same. First three writers are in the exact. People same don't realize movie. how much stuff Roy Thomas did for Marvel. Like incredible in, in the silver and bronze age. How does it? How does it play? Because I don't think I've read any Daredevil prior to Miller. Yeah, so I mean, it's definitely you know, it's going to be of its time. It's but. definitely more freewheeling, you know. It's mm-hmm. not nearly. I mean, obviously, Miller is the one that made Daredevil kind of grim and gritty. Yeah. Uh, before that, like I said, he was a lot more like Spider-Man, kind of fun-loving and yeah. uh, girl problems and. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I mean Frank Miller definitely kind of kind of reinvented him and in uh, in today's modern Daredevil is much closer to the Miller Daredevil than it is the Stanley Daredevil. Yep. But I do like that the She-Hulk Daredevil was more light and fun. Yes. Because people forget that that's a part of Daredevil, too. He's a very yeah. versatile character. He's yeah. actually one of the more versatile characters that exists, and then he can pull off both of those archetypes of characters. Well, yeah. and I just like the fact that, you know, also that he was an attorney. Yeah. So for yeah, someone, yeah, that, yeah, someone yeah, yeah. that kind of, yeah, grew up you know, kind of aspiring to be an attorney, you know, it's kind of cool that cause a lot of, not a lot of the Marvel characters had jobs. I mean, you know, the the, the FF were kind of just the FF, and Tony Stark's a playboy, and the X Men live in the school, and you know, Peter Parker's a freelance photographer. But you know, but Ooh. to actually have like someone that had a legit job job, you know, was kind of. Also, apologize. 
we were talking about this in the shop. I, I'm sorry that I don't remember exactly who was who said this. Mm-hmm. Bill may remember, mm-hmm. but uh, one of the recent writers said that the the job of a daredevil rider was to leave the character in worse shape than the one before. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, it's one of the more recent writers. Bendis definitely did that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, but it's almost like a challenge a little bit. But now, and it was one of the more recent guys that said that. But I don't recall which one. Yeah. But I think that's fascinating if you think about. Uh, you know, to, you know that to hand off this baton that you you have that cognizant in your mind as a writer that you're gonna mm-hmm. that you want to leave the character in worse shape for the next person to have to deal with. I think that's pretty and pretty I, cool. I think too, maybe why we're getting so many good Daredevil runs like back to back to back is Daredevil's not like iconic. He's iconic, but he's not at the point where Marvel needs to protect him like Spider Man. Uh, so right. the writers are allowed to do more. That's a really him. good point. Take bigger um, chances. I'm, I'm curious to see where Zodowski ends his run because his run ends next month, I think. Yeah, I think no. issue uh, Thir- 14 Thir- or 15. But it's his yeah, 50th because he did uh, 33 or 34 and then volume. they did Devil's Reign and then they did uh, a second volume. Uh, all collectible right now so you can find them. So that's the, one of the other good things about the Daredevil runs is that for the most part there's all the runs are pretty long. Like you don't, some books you'll have like a writer come on for six issues and another writer comes on. You kind of get whiplash because it's hard to have a singularity of voice. But with uh, Daredevil, I mean, uh, the Kevin Smith run's probably been the shortest one, to be honest with Let you. Let me ask you this yeah. question, which I don't know that I know the answer to, but I'll ask you three. I'll, okay. I'll turn, I'll turn the question oh, over hey, here on oh, you. Wow. See what he did there. His tables are flipping. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so how many writers have there been on Daredevil? Since what did you say, sixty five? Sixty five, I think was the okay. So one. we're pushing in on sixty years. Yep. So how many writers do you think there've been in fifty eight years? Wow. I'm gonna say hmm. thirteen. Whoa. It's a quick or guess. 15. I'm gonna say fifteen. Fifteen. Do you already know the answer, McKay? I already know the answer. All right. I hope he does. I'm gonna say. So now, so when you say we're counting, we're counting even people who did two or three issue runs, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna say I'm going now. I am will say I'm going by Wikipedia. So, all right, all right. so but not. Yeah. But we're probably it's probably accurate. Yeah. Uh. So I'm gonna say a little higher than Ryan. Okay. I'm gonna say you dear Price is right. I am, dude. I'm going <laughs> one above you. Nah. I'm gonna say five, ten, fifteen. Seven. I'm gonna go with a uh, eighteen. I'm gonna shoot higher than that. I'm gonna. Uh, there's probably some that I'm not uh-huh. even remembering. I'm gonna go twenty. Three. Twenty three. Oh, oh my god. What? That's a good number, Mike. That's Dude. actually my favorite number. Wow. Total guess. Wow. But that is counting the new one that hasn't started. So technically okay. twenty two. Okay. All right, all right. But don't get I the mean, big head, Mike. Like <laughs> it's coming out like a month. So right. uh, wow. just real quick, like people who uh, commented, uh Ward, uh Ziggy, yeah. uh said Miller O'Neill, of course. Oh, and Drew Baker. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about yeah. yeah. Noah said chip. Uh, Matt said Wade and Zardowski, Justin yeah. Mitchell, Mark Wade, yep. Arthur Ooh. Ramsey, Frank Miller, William Meat, and Kevin Smith. And Scott Parton said, not the best, but definitely deserves a mention. Uh-huh. Anna Cena, her run gave us Bullet, Bushwhacker, Blackheart, and Typhoid Mary. Yeah, I forgot Blackheart, uh, that's right. And uh, she was second only to Frank Miller Jr. JRJR uh, was at his peak and was a perfect match. Yeah, like that's Mark true. Grunewald's, that is probably some of the best John Romita Jr. Yeah, like Mark Grunewald's Captain America, it's an iconic 80s run. Yeah. yeah. I, I yeah. have a really interesting thing to, to add right quick, sure. I think. Mm-hmm. Is it odd that all four of us have mentioned so many people, but we haven't mentioned the person who created Stan the character? Lee. Stan Lee. Well, I think yeah. it's because I mean, I've never read a Stan Lee are, are we so fatigued so, well, by that conversation is, well, that we don't even think about it now? This mm-hmm. is the issue we ran into with Spider-Man. 
and it's the thing. So we, you give Stan credit because Stan obviously is is created Stilt Man, the Owl, Purple Man, like all I mean, all these these Daredevil characters, Foggy Nelson, yep. all these these Enslaver characters. Yep. But when you go back and you read the dialogue, mm-hmm. it's not the best. I'll give it credit of the time. However, if you've ever read a Stanley uh, comic, you'll notice one thing: every single sentence he writes ends in exclamation points. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it is, it's weird because it can just be huh. Peter talking to Aunt May about making, um, you know, uh, wheat cakes or whatever, <laughs> but uh, it'll be exclamation points. Uh, and now Stan's that. a hype man, so I get it. But just when I huh. read it, it just kind of the the English kind of person in me just it, it doesn't. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So it, it bothers me a little bit because everybody's screaming in the comics. <laughs> but, but you know, every, yeah. but so, every brand we we did forty years or more holds up. Yeah. But yeah, but that being said, I mean, so you, I, you have to give Stan credit as the idea guy, right? As this is yeah, coming yeah, up yeah. with not only idea for Matt Murdock but Bal and Jack for for uh, I mean all the, the the characters that go with him. I would just say that. If you think about how easy this character has been to 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 change and to augment, mm. you know, and to for all these different writers to have had a different flavor of it, right? With you know, without a strong foundation, nothing can't stand. That's true. Right. You yeah. know, if he hadn't have, yeah. have built the, and and it's not just that I'm championing him so hard as yeah. much as I'm saying it's interesting that four guys that know as much as as we do about this yep. talked for half an hour yep. about. I didn't even mention the person who made it. Yeah, I, I that found is, it interesting. That just shows yeah, like yeah. how incredible the twenty-two yeah. other writers are. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah. So we got to do the top three because we don't get to do top five because Mike is Mark. Mike is mean. Um, <laughs> I think Frank Miller has to be on the list. I think that's like I see. You started off with the best one. I think. Yeah. I can't argue that. It's just it, yeah. he did too much for Daredevil. Okay, what's iconic. one that you think has to? Be I'm going to push Nasanti. All right. Nisanti? She's she not okay. only. I, f- I feel like she had had uh, three strikes against her. She had to fight up for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Being female, having to follow Miller, and being the longest tenured writer, cool. I don't see how you can leave her off of it. Yeah. I'm okay with her. So yeah. now we come with the third one. And yeah, it's going to be difficult. Oh, I'd say because his run, the runs are short, I say Frank, um, Kevin Smith and David Mack are off the table. Nah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I've got to say, Bendis, honestly, um, that's, that would be my. Best. That's who I'm leaning toward. Okay. Uh, only because I mean he is kind of the one. So Kevin Smith launched the Marvel Knights Daredevil, but Bendis is kind of like the grandfather of Marvel Knights Daredevil. He, I mean his his run is probably out of the newer writers. It's probably the longest run. And he and he's in his element. Like I don't um, care for him too much when he does this big superhero stuff. Yeah. But yeah. Bendis on crime. So anything street level. Uh, Bendis is really good with and and like you said he kind of come from doing uh, Jinx and Torso and Goldfish and Image and they were all um, kind of crime books you know yeah. are you good with Bendis? yeah it's Number three. hard not to put Kevin Smith on there but this is your is. fault this is your <laughs> fault for only saying three I had to leave him out of my top five for what I, the reason I have it all listed here yeah is who is I, your top five let's just uh, my top five were in order actually you can even see where I wrote here Miller, Nascenti, and Bendis are my top three. Nice. Oh, wow. Nice. Okay. In, in okay, order. Okay, called it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then uh, I wrote, I, I wrote, struck a line through uh, Zadarsky right. because I think he's too new. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that he's not great, but we haven't heard, seen the end of it yet. Yeah, true. So yeah, true. We, I feel it's an incomplete until we see his final work. Um, but I'm going to say my other two are uh, O'Neill and Brubaker. Nice. Okay. okay. Yep. Therefore, yeah. we're going five. 
Yeah. I think we did great here, guys. I think so too. I think you know, put that in a vault and whatever we do. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. I think we've just we've solved the the top three Daredevil writers of all time. All right, <laughs> it is. Uh, quickly, books of the week. Books of the week. Uh, I'm going Void Rivals too. I love the first one so much. Um, you know, obviously, I'm a huge old school Transformers fan, and that you would think would influence it. But really, when I read the comic, I don't think it needed that cameo at all. I just thought it was a great comic. It reminded me of old school indie stuff that I loved. Um, it was just a fresh take. I don't know where they drop you right in the middle of a situation. Uh, the art matches it really well. Just felt felt cool. It felt really tense. There's a lot of pressure going on with the storyline. It, it was just a great comic, and I'm really looking forward to the second one and where the Energon universe is going. Agreed. So I'm going to do uh, Moon Knight. Right now we're in the middle of the moon, the first Moon Knight event. Um, and City of the Dead comes out. It's not Jim McKay doing the doing the writing, but I did flip through it uh, earlier, and it looks cool if you're a Moon Knight guy. It's definitely going to be a big part of the end of McKay's run. Yep, McKay. Uh, I'm going with Scrapper. Ah, okay. What's Scrapper? Uh, Scrapper. It is uh, like a Blade Runner, Runner style type of action. Okay. Uh, meets dogs. One of my big things is. After Stray Dogs, I am given the benefit of the doubt to mixing genre with the cute dog thing because people yep. <laughs> absolutely. Stray Dogs is one of our biggest selling trade paperbacks three years later. Uh, we sell as, yeah. as many as we can get. Well, they they we can't keep them. We well, might as well just have a stand in order because they're going to sell. And it's amazing too that uh, they've not done any more at the property yet. Uh, we have a a very dedicated female fan base at yep. the shop. You guys have a ladies' uh, night. We have two ladies' nights. We have oh. a we have a D and D ladies' night, and we have a, a, a book club uh, where they they drink wine and talk about fe- female created writers and artists. Yeah. So we have a very strong uh, female clientele, and uh, stray dogs. Yeah. Stray dogs, saga, fables. Yeah. Uh, a lot of indie stuff. They're not generally well no, that's not true there's a lot to like dc that uh there's a lot of titans and yep. and uh, hmm. Interesting. uh there's lots of titans and and robins and dick grayson fans amongst our our, our female clients. yeah we've mentioned that before on the on the, on the on the podcast here that it's awesome that there are so many females out there that read comics now because i know mm-hmm. us growing up it was mainly a, a boys club oh yeah it was it was it was a it's a whole new world yep it's awesome uh, uh we tried to be we strive to be very inclusive and it's the reason why uh, representation everybody's matters. everybody's welcome yep. and uh not that i don't to say that there aren't other places but yeah we we tend to have a and that and that come this is something you can talk to grant and jasmine about uh and the fact that you know before that it was uh amber you know, that we've always had a very active female owner. Because yep. it's not a situation where it's a married couple and the guy really runs it. In both cases, they were they were equal part they were equal partners. Uh, so having that, that that strong female leadership in the in the store is I think what grows that organically. And uh Bill, what's yours? I'm gonna go with the uh, the new Marvel relaunch of Blade. Looks oh, really good, um, I think. And the reason being is because a lot of people have been. Uh, it feels like the Blade movie's been cursed at this yeah, point. Yeah, it does. It really does. <laughs> so uh, you know, the uh, I think first they had issues with the script and then a director. So, um, but this is Brian Hill and uh, Elena Casagrande, who's one of Marvel's newest uh, female artists. Uh, phenomenal! If you haven't seen her stuff, I highly recommend her. But it's uh, it's getting more back toward Blade and less away from like some of the ancillary characters like Bloodline, his, his new daughter, and um, Hannibal King. It's 
I think Brian Hill said he wanted like the first few issues to be able to stand on its own and okay. for you not I to like have it. to have a working knowledge of the Blade universe. Yeah. So for it makes it new reader friendly. Uh, but also he said for the old time Blade fans that he is going to touch on continuity stuff, you know, probably after the fourth or fifth issue, we'll get into some okay. of the history of Blade. Sounds like a good direction for it. But yeah. it is. It, it's kind of a good compromise for new readers and uh, old Blade fans. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, so I'm going to say uh, Blade number one coming out tomorrow from Marvel. Nice. Manana. Uh, so uh, my recommendation really quick on my other podcast, uh, mm-hmm. BRB AFK. Yeah. Don't listen to it at work. Um, <laughs> we're, we're starting to do our own RPG. It's a... Uh, Based on Pugmire, which is a RPG system where every character is like a dog. Oh, that's cool. It's in a world where humans have vanished. It's Post-apocalyptic. Po- yeah. yeah. Bark at the moon, right? Bark at the moon. Uh, it's uh, me, uh, Mike, our friend Scott, and Boston is our dungeon master. I wanted him to call himself Doggo Master, but he yeah. didn't go for it. <laughs> uh, Mike is doing the editing, and Jamie is going to do some narration for it, which is awesome. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. First episode, I think, is coming up Monday, and we're going to have it mm-hmm. in the Comics Exchange feed, too. So if you want to give that a try. They'll be able uh, to find it. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's fun. We did the first. It was my first time ever doing RPG, Yeah, and I am kind of addicted now. Really? You took to it like... Uh, you d- never played water. D&D as a no, kid? I, it wasn't because of the whole Satan thing. It was math. <laughs> I was, oh. Yeah, I'm not the a math whole, guy. The uh, whole D20 confusion, right? 20, <laughs> yeah, like, how like, can a dice have 20 yeah. sides? That doesn't even make sense to me. <laughs> but I really got into it. I was doing character and everything. Yeah, it was great. I was impressed. Yeah. a voice? I didn't do a voice because okay. my whole thing is I didn't want to commit to an accent because I don't want to do an accent the whole time. Oh, you like, missed out. Like a British dog. Done. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. A British bulldog. Um, oh, wow. R.I.P. But yeah, so that'll be uh, in this, I think Monday is what we're I think I can for. get it up by then. And McKay, you have like, let's recommend, let's, what you got to recommend? Uh, yeah, I've just started a Facebook book group and TikTok and YouTube channels. Uh, it's called Comic Book Basics. Okay. Uh, I had gotten a lot of feedback at the store from from new customers, uh, young and old, mm-hmm. uh, that felt like there wasn't anything in the, in social media to start at the ground floor of learning the comic book industry. Yep. That everything was already apply, uh, implied a an intermediate to advanced knowledge of of the format. So I, I thought that would be a good ground floor to try to get my foot into the social media realm and and start with catering to the people who would have the most knowledge to to gain going forward. It's a great nice. idea. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's been great. Uh, now it, that doesn't mean that if you are a an old pro at it that there's not stuff for you to do because we do encourage people to bring questions or you know sometimes it's just what are y'all reading this week? You know, sometimes it's slightly more advanced things, but at a pace where where the people who are coming in right. uh, could could pick up uh, the TikTok. Each each thing has kind of a different tint. Uh, the Facebook group is more about conversation amongst the people who can can join, which is to everybody, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that we can all have a little community and 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 welcome these new people and work together to invite them into to our hobby. Cool. The TikTok is more to uh, appeal to that generation, uh, and it's very small, 30, 45-second, minute long. you got to do the TikToks these days. Very, very basic. You know, what is a slab? What is a graded book? Hmm. You know, what is a key issue? Nice. You know, what's the fundamental difference between DC and Marvel? Mm -hmm. You know, because, you know, nothing drives us all crazier than when someone goes, I love the new Marvel movie. I love Superman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that drives us insane. 
you know, just to, to gently guide people into the hobby at their pace. And then the YouTube thing is going to be just a, a catch-all for the media that I put on the other two. Right. But I'm going to put stuff that might be, might, I might branch into other things. Like uh, we may do movie nights at the shop or, or elsewhere mm-hmm. uh, and do little roundtables after. Or if I just want to rant about something because I do get opinionated and a little crazy yeah, yeah, sometimes, yeah. that <laughs> I would have that format Yep. That I can put a longer form opinion mm-hmm. out about something that might be found. And I'm going to try to, this is very fledgling. We have 123 members on the Facebook group. It's 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 early on. Yep. Right. I'm not swinging for the fences Think I'm going to get 10,000 people right off the bat. But I, I don't want it that way. I want to try, if it's going to grow into something like that, I want to do it right. organically because there's merit in it and we're providing good content. Yeah. And I would say for people out there who are like the four of us that we know a lot about comic books. We have encyclopedic knowledge about comic books. Pat yourself on the back. Um, <laughs> it's still, it's fun to even join, even for like people who know a lot about the comics. And cool. I think, Bill, you had once said before that mm-hmm. Stanley always thought um, everybody, every book that somebody reads is somebody's first. Mm-hmm. So I think doing stuff like this, like we did in the first few episodes of our podcast, yeah. uh, you want to let people kind of know these terms and stuff that we're using. Yeah, you don't want it to be so daunting that like new fans are, feel afraid to get into the hobby. Uh, so you try and make it accessible, and, and what McKay's doing is a great idea. Yeah. But yeah, you try and make it to where you kind of give everybody the fundamentals, like you said, and, and build up from there. Uh, and it's, it's one of those things, like, you know, just in casual conversation when we get to talking, just because we've been around it for so long, like we'll just throw these terms around and we just expect that everybody knows what we're talking about. Yeah. Like when you say nine point eight or when you say, you know, the book is, is very fine plus. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. So it's good that if everybody could be on the same page and have the same uh working, you know, terminology. So it's uh what he's doing is 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 huge. Only because with the movies now you have all these new fans now that are getting in walking into comic book stores and they've never been into a comic book store before. And it's super intimidating when you uh, first come in here. And it can be incredibly yep. intimidating and especially if you see issue five hundred and twenty three of Batman or something and you're like, Wow, you know, uh, yep. I'm already five hundred and twenty two behind. Yeah. Do so, you have any recommendations? I'm gonna say I took um Elizabeth, my my fifteen year old, we went to go see Mission Impossible Seven. Oh, cool. Okay, I guess Dead it's the Reckoning. Seventh. Dead Reckoning Part yeah. One. Okay. So at least this movie had the the honesty about it to let you know up front that there's going to be a second part as <laughs> yeah. opposed to <laughs> Spider Man. Yep. <laughs> Which uh didn't uh she Elizabeth yeah. was very upset when that one ended on a cliffhanger. This one I she knew beforehand that okay. uh, it was Part prepare. One. And it was her first Mission Impossible movie. Right? Her first Mission Impossible movie. So I, I had to kind of clue her in onto who some of the side characters, Ving Rhames and yeah uh, the guy from Shaun of the Dead, um, Simon Pegg. Yep. I had to kind of clue her in who those characters were, but I want to say this: as an action movie on its own, without knowing anything about Mission Impossible, I think this is one of the finest action movies ever made. Really? Wow! Yes. Wow. Okay. There's some incredible. There's some incredible set pieces. Yeah. The set piece with the train, not to spoil anything, at the end of the film is, I think, one of the greatest action scenes. Very reminiscent of the uh, the Inception scene in the hallway oh, with wow. Joseph okay. Gordon-Levitt. And I was thinking about this. I, I don't know. See what y'all think about this. As as a movie franchise in totality, is Mission Impossible the best movie franchise ever? It could. So we have seven movies, right? They started in 1996. So started started 20... 20... 96, I think, okay. was the first yeah. one. So 
the second one, John Woo, okay, let's take that out. But you but, think, yeah, otherwise but, they're bangers. <laughs> otherwise, all six are, 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 are consistently good, right? Yeah, yeah, And yeah. even the John Woo fans will defend the second one. And it has some decent set pieces. It's got but... some decent, you know, and, and, and if anything, the second one did give us Hugh Jackman as Wolverine because if uh, if Doug Ray Scott doesn't get hurt on <laughs> yeah, that set, yeah, yeah. people forget that was Marvel's first choice for Wolverine. Mm-hmm. He yep. was going to be Wolvie. Yep. It wasn't going to be. Huh. Nobody, Man, he's got to kick himself. Nobody knew who yeah. Hugh Jackman yeah. was. And now Doug Ray Scott. So, yep. but I, I, leaving that seventh one, Dead, Dead, uh, Dead Reckoning, I, I was just thinking to myself, is there a stronger movie franchise uh, than Mission Impossible? Does, I mean, you have, you have the continuity of Tom Cruise in every single one. Mm-hmm. It's, not like the, it's not like the Bond franchise where it's changed. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was just really, really blown away, and it, it got me to thinking, you know, in, in, when in historical terms, when it's all said and done, when these Mission Impossible movies, after the 13th or 14th one, when Tom's done. <laughs> yeah. uh, when he's uh, 80 it, and he it, still looks like he's in the 40s. It's insane. Yeah. And, and I was telling Ron this, uh, so we were talking about the de-aging process in um, the Indiana Jones. Ron yeah, went to go yeah. see the new Dial of Destiny. Yep. He gives it two. Uh, two I think it's the third best up, of the right? five. Yeah, I, I have the same. Uh, yeah, I put it over Dune. Yeah, and just so, barely. And so, okay. and so, yeah. in this one, we're talking about how they had de-aged Harrison Ford. Well, in Mission Impossible Seven, there's a scene with young Tom Cruise and young Essa uh, Morales or whatever the guy from. Yeah. Um, but um, they de-age him, and when they show the young Tom Cruise, they keep him in the shadows because I researched this. Tom Cruise is the only actor in Hollywood who, in his contract, has it written that he cannot be either de-aged or physically scanned for future... Wow. Uh, wow. Yes. Okay. Yeah, he was thinking not, ahead. Man, that's, that's Maverick <laughs> yeah, power yeah, right yeah, there, yeah. dude. That's, yeah. that's Top Gun. Wow. And does it uh, end on cliffhanger, or does it feel like a full movie? So it feels like a full film. So that's the other thing it has going forward, is that it is a part one, but where it, it leaves you off, it's like, it's like when you play a video game and you have the missions you know that you have to complete. Yep. So he completes the mission. Okay. Like the, 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 it's not impossible. It's not impossible. After <laughs> yeah. the seventh one, these need to be like improbable. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. slightly hard. It's like yeah. Final Fantasy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not the final. So that being said, I want to give a strong two thumbs up. Mission Impossible 7, Dead Reckoning. Excellent. Very cool. And, and who knows, you know, maybe uh, a few more John Wick movies or a oh, few more. Oh, right, right. Uh, but we'll see. Mike, do you have any? You know, I was going to recommend Popeye's Ghost Pepper Wings because they were just so good. They're amazing. <laughs> but uh, actually, you know, I've been so impressed. Popeyes. Oh, they're really good. Yeah. I've been uh, so impressed with AEW's new Saturday Night Show Collision okay. that I, I've got to recommend it. It is the perfect, in my opinion, the perfect pro wrestling show. It's it's cut and dry. It's to the point. It's got just enough storyline. You right. know, you've got a great roster. You've got some of these matches with FTR and Bullet Club Gold lately that have just been blowing my mind. It, it feels like a sensible wrestling show made by adults for adults. Uh, it ditches so much of the cringy stuff that you might find on other shows. And uh, all four uh, episodes, I've just been blown away. It's an it, unfortunate night to have it on Saturday night. But Saturday it's a night show. TNT. Um, I mean, no, we've got DVRs. We've got websites. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of ways to watch it. Right. Um, if you've ever been into pro wrestling at all, check out Collision. It is a great show. Do they start with Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting? They do. That oh is my the God, show. do they really? Yeah, absolutely they do. Oh Elton John, okay. and it's, it gives it its own unique feel. And they, they, they <laughs> play into like the old school Saturday Night's main event WWE stuff. Where they'll, they'll front load the show with a real quick promo of setting the show show up to kind of give you what you're getting into uh great stuff check it out please how many episodes is it in uh, recent there, there are four episodes in and it's just well, a two-hour show that, yeah. so it uh and again it's each one is sort of its own thing so you, you there is a continuity but you don't have to have watched the would you think ones. that would be a good well that was the question i was about to ask do you think this would be a good entry someone who's not 
started with AEW yet. Absolutely, because uh, it's written by CM Punk and Brian Danielson. Um, oh, I love, I love yeah. him. Yeah, and like I or said, it's just it's not insulting. It, it feels legit. Um, I love it. It's really good. So this episode is starting to feel like as long as Oppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> well, so now we got to do Barbie right after. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I heard people were buying. Uh, they were doing. They're doing both. Doing is, both. Yeah. Uh, AMC. I think the last Barbenheimer. Time I saw, they call it the uh, Barbenheimer. Yeah. AMC, uh, which we don't have an AMC. Don't worry. But at least right. twenty thousand tickets for, been sold to for both crazy. films. Yep. It's awesome. I love the internet. What well, this has been a swashbuckling episode. Oh. It's been a gritty episode. Yes. Yeah, so. That's it's right. been an informative episode. I'd like to thank our guest, McKay, for bringing thank his knowledgeable so opinions. Uh, thanks so much for having me. We've been wanting to have you here for a while. We're glad yep. you could make it. Yeah, Absolutely. But, uh, I think it's about time for us to go brave the storm and get on Ooh. out of here. I'm uh, Mike D. I'm Ryan. I'm still Bill. I'm McKay. Thanks for being here. We'll see you in the funny books. Bye. Bye. Bye.